Hello and welcome to episode 10 of The Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and as usual, I'm here with Brian and Kevin. Each week we take a look at some of the endless stream of content brought to you through Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Crave, YouTube, Spotify. Wherever you get your media, we're going to grab a chunk of it and we're going to watch it. This week we're focusing primarily on Netflix. We're looking at Army of the Dead and Love, Death and Robots. Given the nature of these conversations, they're very spoiler heavy, so if you haven't watched either of those things, maybe go off and have a look at them and then come back and join the conversation. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast or giving us a follow over on Instagram. All our socials are at The Endless Cast. You'll be able to see um, illustrations and clips from the show over there. Three of us are illustrators and filmmakers, so, you know, we're using our talents to add a little extra bonus content over on the Instagram account. All of that being said, let's hop into the episode. So this week, we're primarily going to be talking about Army of the Dead from Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder, such a prolific filmmaker, back into the mix again. And we're going to look at Love, Death and Robots Season 2. So that's going to take a good chunk of time because there's eight of those there and and they've all got their own little, I guess, quirks to talk about. And it's I think it's kind of good to shout out the people who made them because a lot of work goes into this sort of animated short thing. Aside from that... There's the usual roundup of trailers we've got that came out this week. Is there anything you guys want to talk about specifically? Anything happened this week that you want to watch or thought about? Brian, Kevin? Uh, Kento Omiura passed away. The creator of Berserk. Um, He's quite young. He's only 54, I believe. So um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Berserk, but um, it's great. It's very influential. Yeah, I just know it as an anime. That's just one of those ones that you would have seen on shelves, like as long as I've been alive, essentially. You do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I never read it, but yep. I just it's like I know Berserk. Yeah. Now I I saw the name and saw the outpouring of love for the guy, but I have never heard of him, and I do not know what Berserk is. So, please, Brian, give me an overview of what Berserk is. There, there's there's animes as well, right? Uh, there is. Yeah, there's been a couple of uh, adaptations of kind of one of the story arcs. Um. Berserk, it's it's a dark fantasy. It's kind of it's kind of like the quintessential dark fantasy manga, really. It's kind of where a lot of them would have been inspired by. Um so you know, at a glance it's your it's your sort of typical medieval fantasy, you know, with a kind of a lone protagonist with a you know, covered in scars with this big outsized sword. But um Is that is his, is his name Guts? Guts, yeah. Because uh I've often posted online about doing art or like, you know, who do people want to see me draw next and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've actually gotten a few people recommend or, or suggesting Guts and I never I never knew anything about him. It, it's it's dark, it's 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 kind of it's kind of harrowing in places, but it's I think it's ultimately kind of hopeful but um it's got one of my favorite character arcs i guess and kind of dramatic turns in anything and it's been depicted a couple of times in the manga now but it's it's this it's this brilliant moment of cosmic horror where kind of one of the protagonists who's otherwise quite heroic um turns essentially and it's it's so dark and it's 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 just excellent it's just this brilliant moment um very kind of 
it's often referenced it's like i said it's it, in the anime adaptation of it it's it's kind of a this cosmic horror moment it's just i don't think i'm spoiling too much because it's you know it's been it's been it's been 1989 and yeah well i've not watched it so yeah yeah i'm, I'm 33 so I, I have no excuse it was literally the year after i <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it's just this it's it's kind of one of my favorite moments in you know kind of pop culture i guess it's just this yeah this kind of charismatic androgynous beautiful kind of typical almost white knight type character with like long flowing kind of white blonde hair and becomes this kind of dark villainous figure and the design of both versions of that character are just very iconic very cool where someone to go and pick it up what are they picking up is there one specific movie is there one specific volume of graphic novels what am i to, um, what am i to buy i guess it depends because the the there's been one of the anime apt adaptations is the kind of 3d cgi stuff and it's quite bad and it's 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 not well animated like it, it's bad i kind of avoid that there's two other anime adaptations if anime is more your thing than manga um i would go with that mm-hmm. manga's good but like i said it started in 1989 um those are collected you can you can buy those pretty cheaply but the earlier i guess the earlier issues of it are a bit dated because it was from 1989 so if you're kind of if you've maybe less of a tolerance for kind of something looking a bit dated it might not be the best place to start i would start with either of the the anime adaptations there's a tv series i see listed here when you say anime are we talking series yeah yeah okay so there's two two versions of the series covering the same ground? Uh, more or less, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So have you seen both? Yes. Which do you prefer? Um, they're both good because the, one of them is kind of, it's a bit cheaper in terms of production. It was the first one. Um, mm. That does that moment that I was talking about. It does that quite well. But again, that was kind of mid-90s, I think. So I like it. But the, the one that came later is really really well kind of animated nice production values so there's there's a kind of a trade-off between the two but like the the influence that the manga has had is pretty huge um the guy who directed the kind of demon souls dark souls games um was a huge fan of berserk in many ways demon souls and dark souls are almost like unofficial video game adaptations of berserk the storylines are very very different um, in those games, you kind of create your own character. So, you know, there's no actual version of Guts, but there's nothing stopping you creating a character who looks like Guts, essentially. But, uh, like, those games are full of references to, to Berserk. So it's had, this, it's had a huge influence, you know, even if maybe you're only familiar with the name or the character. It's, it's had an influence on so many other things. Um Probably the biggest. The biggest would be the the kind of Soulsborne games. It's had. Yeah, but to be fair, if you think if it started in like eighty nine, there's a lot of people who would have grown up, maybe hitting like twelve, thirteen, whatever, that would have read those books and then gone into the industry. Oh yeah, you know, so absolutely. It's, it's pretty yeah. big influential. It came at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but then just to touch on or to circle back to something you just touched on there, he he, Bloodborne and Dark Souls games owe a lot to Berserk. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess if you're a fan of those games as well, 
it's worth checking out. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Berserk, uh, at least I'm not sure which version of it, but it's up on Crunchyroll or wherever you stream your manga or your anime, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this it. The series was on, yeah, the series was on hiatus for a while and it he just came back to it, I think, I think only in the last year, there was new um, issues of it, essentially. So, yeah, people were excited because, like I said, it had been on hiatus for a while and apparently as well, like, um, I don't know how familiar you are with, like, manga production, but, um, like, the schedule for manga is insane. The, the hours they work is, are insane. They, um... But they have assistance to do to maybe like you know apply the screen tone and things like that to to the drawings. Okay, so just what it just you just said apply the screen do- a screen tone to the drawings. Okay, mm-hmm. you're obviously bigger bigger manga fan than I am. Aiden probably knows this process already. I didn't. There's a chap on there's a chap on uh, is it an artist who's currently doing the Beta Ray Bill comic, and mm. it's very good. And he did Warren Dar- Darren Warren Johnson. I da- think Daniel Daniel Warren Daniel. Johnson. Yeah. yeah, he's he. I don't know if you guys are familiar with his work. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I, I I was yeah, late to it because I've only discovered him recently, and I really like his work. And I like I like Beta Ray, and I'm I'm reading it essentially one of those books where I'm pretty much got it for the artwork. You know, I I often it's either or, but sometimes it happens where it's like definitely for the artist, and I got him for the art book for the artist. But he does the screen tone that Brian was talking about, and I've never seen that before. I always thought that was digital. Yeah, a lot of people do it digitally now, but like it's really fun to see. And there's a number of guys I follow between Instagram and Twitter that you know, like you see them blast an ink onto things, and then out come these sheets of paper, and they mm. paste them down, cut around the areas that they need them to be, and it like it looks great. There's there's the archivist in me that thinks that that adhesive's going to go and fall off the art, and it's going to be looking like shit in ten years time. But it looks great when they print mm. it. Yeah, well, I suppose it'd get it framed, it would be okay. But um, but yeah, I didn't realize. So yeah, they literally have different variants of screen tone or whatever, and they just mm-hmm. cut it out and stick it to the drawing. And then he gets a little scalpel and works back into it, putting in highlights and stuff. Uh, again, maybe people knew about that. I didn't. I just assumed it was all... Like, even when I look back at the old comic books, I figured it was just something that kind of happened during the printing process. And then it was just became an aesthetic. And then obviously, then maybe people just started using the screen tone to kind of get that aesthetic. I didn't realize that they used screen tone, but I just thought it was a thing that just happened as a kind of result of printing back in the day. Well, uh, there's there's different processes. Like, I don't... I mean, maybe Brian can contradict me here, but I don't know it as, um, as prolific in Western comic books so much. Um, you see it all over. Manga. Well, now that, that now, I never um, associated it to until you literally said it there, and then it's just like, oh yeah, actually that is what you see in manga all the time. But I never, I never yeah. knew, I never knew about it. Basically, I didn't know that process. Yeah, which is kind of mad, but yeah, it's cool to see. I'm, I'm just, was, um, you, you can get brushes and procreate now that'll last. Oh, I have. It's, it's not, it's not the same, but it's, yeah, it, it's a quick, it's a quick version of it. But um, like the, so you know, a lot of artists would have um assistance. And I believe the guy, I think, uh, Otomo's assistant on Akira um, did quite a lot of the backgrounds and stuff. Like, apparently they drew quite a significant chunk. They did more than apply screen tone. But um, apparently um, the guy who created Berserk, uh, Miura, uh, apparently he had quite a good reputation. He paid his, his assistants very, very well, apparently, that they then he worked them, you know, reasonable hours as well and a lot of them were able to afford like homes and have like lives outside of outside of you know being a, a manga assistant so 
he didn't just create this brilliantly influential thing apparently he was also a very very kind of kind and good good dude all around apparently progressive um mm. employer in a pretty uh oppressive yeah industry. well yeah because like the manga as you said the mm. manga schedule i don't know if we spoke about it here or as i listened to another podcast or something but yeah the manga schedule is nuts there are no other podcasts uh, um, go on <laughs> but there's not anyway go on we were talking um, about it here why are we talking about it here <laughs> i'm confused i'm sorry i confused you continue with your thought i learned i learned this morning that dogs have hind legs and front arms they have knees and elbows so technically they have only two legs and two arms not four legs mammalian skeletal structure broadly follows the same pattern um it, it's something we look at in animation bears are funny because they're uh, all arms their shin bones are no not all arms but that they're, they're just big dogs bears are <laughs> bears are all arms they're just big dogs the proportions of their back legs aren't like other mammals so they get closer to looking like feet and knees so when they stand up it does look kind of oh, human oh wow okay fair um, um, most animals have really elongated feet anyway you were saying about where do the dog's feet start a third of the I way was, up their I was talking about I was talking about the third of the way up their legs you're just talking about things that you learned on the internet oh yeah yeah god it's a big list Maybe we should change the subject. Um, I was going to say, oh yeah, no, manga schedule, relentless, really, really brutal. Uh, I had no idea that. It's just like, basically, it's just like, they are just, they are just on it constantly. It's awful. It sounds really, really grueling. Also, Top Cow used to have background artists, which I, you know, you have, you hear the Marvel way and all that kind of stuff, but you used to have background artists, so apparently that's what, it makes it makes 100% sense and like, I, I, when Brian mentioned like Akira there, I'm so jealous of like, because you've seen some of my drawings and like even the Batman commission I did for somebody's mm. last year, it's like the 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 centerpiece of the image was done in an hour. The buildings, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the buildings took three yeah, days. Yeah, you know, everybody uses a sketch sketch lab or something. It's called. It's a really popular uh, website for comic artists where it can just have loads and loads of draw building three D buildings and stuff. And I think it can even put like mm. outline type of stuff on it. So it's like you have basically the bare bones of it. You know, yeah, Clip Studio does a good job at that and again I, I mentioned PJ Holden again he is uh, an artist I follow um, does a lot of 2000 AD stuff and it's, it's just I I love how um, process focused his discussion of his work is and he'll talk about you know like I have folders full of 3D models I bring them into Clip Studio set it to outline set that to blue line reference and then draw over that so it's not just rigid technical oh I didn't know that um, but it it's um, it's great we have bounced Wildly off topic, and most of that's my fault this morning, and I blame my uh, week-long exhaustion. Uh, R.I.P. Mura. Yes, God bless him. Kev, did you watch anything um, specifically this I week? I watched The Avengers. Uh, definitely not as good the second time you watch it. Definitely. Like, I liked it. Don't get me I wrong. Think it's, I think it's still great, to be honest. I liked it, but... We're talking about the first Avengers film? Yeah. I think it's still great. I liked it, but... Uh, but then, like I always say, I'm very soft. And then you're watching with Emer, and Emer's just like, "Why is he doing that? He's a god. He doesn't need to do that." And then you're just questioning your whole like, "Do do I like? Is what I like stupid? Does it not make sense?" But um, no, she's wrong. She's wrong. She's she's wrong. I'll tell her that. Uh, maybe maybe I'll tell her. I could text her. Text her that. I don't want to say it to her face. But um, it's it's good. But uh, there's definitely some things that are like. Uh, but actually, I did watch Tor and Tor. The first one, I don't know if I've ever actually finished it. I loved it. I love Thor. I think Thor is Thor, great. Thor, the first one's great, yeah. And like, I, lo- I, f- I totally forgot Hawkeye shows up in it. And I think that's mm-hmm. really, really cool. The second Thor movie 
feels like a Stargate episode, especially the way it opens, you know, when it comes to the village and, and you know, he's having a fight in the field. It just feels a bit TV to me. The, the movie's a letdown. I think Avengers might be feeling small to you because we've seen Endgame. Mm, maybe, yeah. Yeah. I think it's how far I come. Like, if, if you, my biggest worry, like, I, I remember when the first trailer for Avengers came out. Like, there was still a sense that, like, is this really going to happen? Mm. And we'd seen one film from each and I think two from Iron Man before we saw Avengers. I was like, is this really... It's like, I still didn't believe it because, you know, I grew up reading the letters page in X-Men comics promising that there was going to be an X-Men movie next year. It's like, I'm not believing this until I see it. And then I, even when I saw the first trailer for it, I didn't watch it for, I don't know, for a couple of days. I was just like, ugh, like... You know, Iron Man was a fluke. I liked Captain America. Thor was good, but it was just like this isn't happening. And then when I eventually watched the trailer, I was like, Jesus Christ, that that looks that looks good. And I saw it. And my my, my worry was one that it wasn't going to happen, and then two, I think the big problem with all of those films at the start was, and I remember like they, I think they had essentially taken out a loan of like around eight hundred million to make a bunch of films and they were partnered with Paramount in it. So they were so tightly budgeted at the start and they, none of them really had like a major set piece anywhere in it. And a lot of them fell very, very short after the second act, you know, that whatever, whatever the second act in the film was, that was their big moment. And I think it's one of the problems with Captain America is that like it, 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 I love the kind of sequence up in the air, but the way it arrives at the end of the film is just a bit, it's a bit flat. And so my worry was, how are they going to put all of them in one film and have it be big and fun? And then it was it, like it, it, the helicarrier moment is great. It's, it's, it's like Thor clocking Hulk with Mjolnir is just, I remember seeing the film by myself and it was just like, I wanted to stand up and just start e- cheering. Even Hulk trying to pick up yeah. Mjolnir. Just a little yeah. character moment and, the, and the, the the rules of the world yeah. being seen in play it was such a nice moment. Yeah, and the, 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 the three of them in the forest. Just again, that, that's another great scene. It, it's got that, again, that rules. It's like, how does Iron Man square against Thor? And how does mm. Thor's hammer square against... Captain America or whatever. The, yeah. the shield. And then the fact that he... he the fact that he says, you know, are we finished here? Like, it was just these great little moments. And then the Battle of New York is great. Like, it, I think what they've all been missing up before that was a, a good final act, like a mm. good set piece. And the Battle of New York has got, it's long, but it's not over long. It's actually that long, it, to be it's, honest. It's fun. It's so much fun. There's so, there's so many brilliant moments when in Hulk there. When Hulk rocks up on that little motorbike. Mm, yeah. It's such a funny little quiet shot of him just puttering in going, hey guys. Like they, 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 all, they all do something separately before that. And then he shows up and then he's got that great line where he's like, I'm always angry. And that moment is just fucking amazing. Cap giving orders to the the cops and them kind of ignoring him. And then they see him in action and then uh, yeah, him yeah, yeah. ducking behind the shield again and blowing up the window. Got it. I need to rewatch it with you guys. It's way, way more fun. The Hulk and Loki. Like, there's there's so many brilliant things in, in that final act. It's like, my, my, my worry was like, how are they going to pull them together? And 
the third act of all of them so far has been quite weak. It was just like, what's it going to be like? And it was just, I loved it. It's it's great. And it, I think it feels small compared to Endgame, but it's, I love it still so much. It's great. I saw it, I saw it recently, um, uh, big asterisk next to that. I watched a reaction video recently and it reminded me of the scene where Loki goes, where there's the break-in and they need the guy's retinal scan and he throws him up on the table. I totally forgot about that. Into his totally skull, forgot about that. And it scans his eyeball. It's like, oh, holy yeah. shit, I forgot that was yeah. in there. And um, just to shout out as well, like Harry Dean Stanton making the cameo mm-hmm. as the warehouse security oh, guy. Yes. I, I, I love seeing Harry Dean popping up. That's actually, you got a condition. Yeah, that's really well, well sir. You, hmm? you got a condition. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. But I was going to say, uh, that scene, like, like, look, there was loads of times where I was watching and I was just saying to Emer, oh, this scene's great. I, or like, this is one of my favorite scenes. And like, that scene in the forest, uh, I do love the, fi- the fact that like, it's a fight, but it's also just like, kind of kind of uh, implies how they could potentially work together like Thor yep. Thor hits Iron Man with the lightning and it's just like 400% capacity and he's just like oh nice you know uh, Captain America defends himself with the shield but creates like a little kind of like sound wave or blast wave whatever you want to call it now has that uh, is that in the comics is that ever explained if you if an Uru mallet hits a vibranium shield we get a Wonder Woman love eruption they're, they're magic metals and they can do whatever the script needs them to yeah. do at any given time <laughs> yes it is it is a good movie like for sure definitely kind of like say yeah i think aiden's probably right it's just like kind of it was when i first watched it it's like that was some like high highs you know and then you watch it a second time it's just like oh oh like kind of like it's 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 a little bit stiff but at the same time it's like it's it's their first outing together it, 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 it definitely is and like it looks it's it's kind of it's very brightly lit and it looks it looks odd. It was very much shot for 3D as well. And it looked yeah. great in 3D. It God, looked, I, for, I, I saw it in 3D I at forgot first. About 3D it looked, movies. It looked superb. Um Thank Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um if, if you're if you are watching more of these with Emer, I would say don't preface scenes with oh I love this scene or this is a favourite scene or this is a great scene. Just I only did it I only did it twice. And it was more yeah. to be like kind of, you know, you you were just or, excited, or like kind of like oh this is a good thing going up. You have to pay attention, kind of thing, like you know, but um, uh, because she gets distracted by the dog uh, an awful lot. I think it was just stuff like the um, puny god. You know, Emer loves the Hulk, and I was just like, you're gonna love this scene, just like you know. No, we're enjoying the movies for sure, um, but now we have to go and watch Iron Man three and Thor two. I'm telling you, you're missing uh, you're missing reaction video income here. Um, <laughs> Emer loves the Hulk after the Banner Hulk or sorry after the Norton Hulk no she just loves the Hulk anyways the Hulk would oh just in general yeah she says the Hulk would have been her favourite character growing up in these things and stuff yeah okay cool I'm just wondering if like okay so what does she make a Ruffalo Hulk oh I think she really likes him yeah yeah I think hmm. she, like kind of how he looks versus Ed Norton's Hulk she much prefers him yeah I just want to get to the Winter Soldier so bad and then it's like kind of I can be a little bit more like the rest of these are pretty damn good you know <laughs> the i guess the who sent it to me was it brian sent into the, the chat then the news that they're the john wick director <gasps> is bringing us a highlander remake with henry cavill after netflix just mm-hmm. put highlander back on netflix is it is it a netflix joint not yet anyway no because uh, yeah you do see um netflix puts a film up gets a big bump in their metrics and goes oh yep green light you know people will watch this what do you think of this 
Highlander. Oh, like I've I've been News. I've been wanting a reboot for years. So I like look, it's Highlander. I can't like <laughs> I I love Highlander, but it's just like I also liked Highlander Three Endgame. So I can't really talk. I I might be a little bit biased, and I loved I loved the TV show. Yeah, it's funny that like as much as there's great love for this franchise, like I watched. Highlander, Highlander 2, Highlander 3, Highlander 4, the TV movies, the TV series, the TV series with the lady that was a thief, the animated TV series where they're aliens on another planet. I've watched a lot of Highlander stuff, and if someone was to ask me what's the best Highlander thing to go back and watch, I would still say the first Mm. Highlander, and even then I would be like, but it's kind of ropey now. Mm, Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So I feel like every entry in the Highlander franchise is wobbly as hell and yet i love it is it the queen soundtrack yeah but maybe i don't think the first one is that ropey though i think it i think it looks like it you know it's from the time it's from but i don't think it's that ropey to be honest i think it's it looks great it looks like a music video it looks like an 80s music video yeah. uh, but like it's, it's very cheesy soundtrack. or something it's, but i i love that i love it i still love it but like it, it also has like the kurgan Brilliant. still looks great yeah. Just yeah, Clancy Brown, can, superb. Can always, yeah, always just, just great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then when he shows up in the present, just also great. Like as iconic, if not more so, than the first time you see Arnie in the first Terminator film. And I know they're very much going for the same vibe, but he looks great. Mm-hmm. Looks mm-hmm. fucking yeah. I, it's obviously dated, but I think it's still. I think yeah. the first one holds up quite well. It does a lot. It does a lot well. I think. It does, it does, and uh, but like I still was that the first time we got we got guys in trench coats with swords because mwah, beautiful. It could like, have been. It could have been to be fair. What, what, what a great image! I, it I've definitely seen it in anime as well. In this case of which one came first? Yeah, but trench coats and swords, just what a concept! And tennis shoes, superb, superb, <laughs> and tennis shoes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few of those lads in fucking college though. Yes. PCFE. You look so uh, cool in your sneakers. And your your, (laughs) your leather trench coat. But um, I look, I love Highlander because I think it's Highlander 1, 2, 3 and then there's 3 Endgame which features uh, Duncan and Connor. Uh, Mm. Adrian. That's not Highlander 3 though. That's Highlander 3 Endgame I think it's called. Or it's just Highlander Endgame. Well, there's Highlander Endgame, which was the sort of direct-to-video no, movie. No, that, that's Avengers. There's an Endgame before Avengers. Avengers copied Highlander, actually, Brian. No, Endgame is the chess movie with Christopher Lambert. That's what you're thinking. We're not doing this again. That's a deep cut. You've <laughs> seen that one. I've seen that that's one. That's a fucking deep cut. <laughs> I, is that I, called I, Night I, Moves? I don't got it. <laughs> Have you seen that? No. Oh. Is that Night Moves? Uh, I think it's called Night Moves. Um, sorry, just the end game chess. Christopher Lambert, my brain's just jumping. But uh, there's a movie where uh, I think it's like a serial killer movie, and Christopher or Christoph is it Christoph or Chris? Anyway, he's a he's a chess prodigy, and yeah, it's it's about chess and a serial killer, and it's uh, it was a favorite film of mine growing up, definitely. So let me know if you've seen it. It's good. I'll watch it. I'll watch <laughs> it. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it for next week. Yeah. Uh, good luck okay. finding it. I'm, I'm going to look up the name. Say, I think, say I the think, name again? I think it was called Night Moves, but I think there's also like a soft core porno yeah. called Night Moves That's too. the thing I know. But I, there, there probably was a, a sex <laughs> scene in it too, though, is the thing. But anyway, I'll look up the name. Highlander. Highlander 2, The Quickening, which I saw first. 
Oh. Um, and loved, of course, it had Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren vibes. That's the one where it's set in the um, future. Christopher Lambert on a hoverboard. Yep. Highlander 3, The Sorcerer. Yes. Highlander Endgame. Highlander, The Search for Vengeance. Highlander, The Source. Highlander, The Source so we've got is rubbish. Six films. The Sorcerer is with Mario Van Peebles. No, no, The Sorcerer is good. The Source is rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah. yeah. Then you have the series and you have Highlander, The Raven. Highlander, The Animated Series. And a series of novels, which I won't read out, but there's there's a lot of Highlander. So what's annoying, what, what annoyed me about the Highlander stuff is basically uh, Adrian Paul, I believe, plays Duncan in the TV show or something like that. His name is. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It's Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Uh, yes. But and 200 years earlier, Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod had uh, become an immortal. Yes, but so the second one is set in the future. However, in Endgame, Ad- Duncan kills Connor. Therefore... The second one wouldn't have been a, wouldn't have been impossible. Well, a pacifist Connor sacrifices himself to be out of the game. He, he puts Duncan in a, a, a an inescapable scenario. Yeah, but like, like the, chess. But the second one Indeed. wouldn't have happened. Like, like but a, the second a, one wouldn't a, have a, happened a, then. A night move. <laughs> Isn't that right? The second one wouldn't have happened. The second one's in the future, in Endgame. But I think the second one's in the future of like 1998. Nah, man. I mean, Sean Connery comes back in the future as well. So you know, after dying in. Poor old Ramirez. So for those that aren't familiar, for those that aren't familiar with the Highlander franchise, just to bear in mind for the listeners, Highlander famously made a sequel, The Highlander 2, The Quickening, which made the Immortals an alien race that populated Earth. Christopher Lambert was now aging in a sci-fi future where he had sealed off the sky from nuclear radiation um, he's flying around in a hoverboard. Uh, more immortals from his planet come to kill him for some reason. Basically, what I'm getting around to here is everybody disavows that it ever existed. <laughs> that movie doesn't. They kind of removed it from canon and went, let's 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 make Highlander three the sequel. That chess movie is Night Moves with a K. So like, nice. I get you. Like I get the you. chess piece. Yes. Nice. So not not pornography then. Ah, uh, there's probably a booby scene in it. It was in eighty or nineteen ninety two, I believe. So there's definitely there's definitely a sex scene in the Sorcerer, and I remember watching that, going, "This is past everybody's prime. Why are we doing this?" Oh God! Well, anybody who's confused by Highlander, it's it's a French man playing a Scottish man, a Scottish man playing a Spanish, and an American guy playing a German. I think isn't the Kurgan German? Yeah. So just keep up, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Christopher Lambert. I would have wanted Thomas Jane to play uh, um, Highlander. Get over Thomas I Jane. Think they look Pardon? Get over Thomas Jane. I don't. I won't. He's lovely. You do love Thomas Jane. What was he in? Re- he was in um, something recently, wasn't he? Expanse? But something else recently. Oh, he was in a movie I watched called like The Vanishing or something. It was excellent. But he was in something else very recently, I think. Yeah, well, he's a very, he's, he's a very good actor. He's in lots of things. He's brilliant. So Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill in The Witcher has shown his um, the guy the guy swings a good sword if you know what I'm saying. So I those do know what you're fights. Saying. I don't know what you're saying. Penis. What? That's a hammer. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's it's it. No, it's a hammer. The I I won't mm-hmm. go into. I'm not going to explain <laughs> it. Could be a hammer. Depends how you. If you draw a penis and you turn it upside down, that's a hammer. The balls are the hammer heart, the hammer side of it. We got it. That's the <laughs> worst part it. to make the hammer part. It. Well, you, if you were implying that the head of the penis was a hammer, and then yes, you would have. We're an not issue. though. 
We're, we're not. But, but but it's fine to imply a penis is a sword and it's pointy and long. That's weird. So bringing the sword Henry skills Cavill. he's learned through The Witcher and uh, you know other fantasy films he's done, uh, bringing that John Wick energy and action to it. I I mean these these are good ingredients for a reboot, but we've seen a Total Recall reboot. We've seen a, a RoboCop reboot. I always think that these franchises are completely int- kind of intrinsic to the moment when people fell in love with them and the more you try and like polish them and and do fancier versions or newer versions of them you're trying to you're trying to catch an audience's you know goodwill again and it's it's really fucking hard I, I, to I do. don't think it's that necessarily with this because like one you've got a stuntman turned director who's got you know he's got he's got some praise stuntman turned director and like quite you know competent proficient action scenes so that's a plus and you've got cavill who is great in the witcher you know so good doing swinging swords etc and then highlander is just a kind of a good high concept that you know it's less about the kind of nostalgia associated with it i think it's i think it's just a good high concept that there's a lot of potential in and i think that's quite different than doing a a robocop reboot with the guy from the killing with a director who's not done much else you know there's but my my so i think we did talk about this previously and i'm gonna like i'm gonna be repeating myself on on repeating things i've said to you in conversation for the sake of the podcast here but like when you do a RoboCop remake, when you do a Total Recall remake, even if the Total Recall one is slightly different, the RoboCop, it's just doing the same story and hoping to have similar success. And you're right, like Highlander is a great concept, so it's what do they do with that? So when I saw the trailer for The Old Guard, I thought, this is a cool Highlander movie. You've got the concept of the immortals just out there in the world being warriors through time. We're taking a slightly different tack on it from the, like, whittling each other down to there can be only one kind of scenario. Rather than pitting them together as adversarial, you've got a handful of people who are the only ones like each other in the world who try to band together and stay a family. And it's them against the world that that doesn't know about them or fears them or is different. I didn't end up enjoying that movie as much as I wanted to. That, that was based on a comic too as well, though, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, image comic. Yeah, yeah. so, like, it, it kind of followed the comic i guess is a yeah. mistake but i watched that in relatively uh relatively soon after i watched i think it's called upgrade yes i love upgrade. um it's tony it's hardy. and yeah tom hardy and that's a reference to last week's episode we reference ourselves cast you can find us on instagram at the endless cast you can find us on youtube uh wherever you get your podcasts uh listen to Episode 9, uh, Don't Mess With Mark Miller's Package. If you're on Patreon, you can join us on Patreon where you can listen to me sing Who Wants to Live Forever. You have to pay him to stop. Uh, like last week when... Please pay him to stop. If you don't sign up now, he won't stop. How long is forever anyway? Like last week when Kev learned that we had a TikTok through a joke that he made on the podcast. <laughs> Kev is just about to learn that we have a Patreon. Do we have a Patreon? <laughs> we have a Patreon. I can send you the <laughs> We also have a Discord, we have a TikTok, we have an Instagram, we have a Twitter. I I covered our bases here. Um, 
brilliant. Don't go on to Patreon because I won't be there singing. No one wants to hear that. Except for those Upgrade. No, you've made a promise to the listeners now. We're going to have to record you singing Queen's Who Wants to Live Forever and put it on Patreon. I'm, I'm really going to do that. Um, upgrade to me when I watched it. I was like, oh, this is Robocop. This is this is a, a nice take on the concept of like a critically injured person being rebuilt through technology and trying to like find himself in what they've made him. And it, it the the body horror thing shifting from a very eighties technical mechanical robot to a more twenty first century concept of like AI and digital um web spaces. I know I'm half using words here, but I'm trying to I thought it was a nice take of the concept to do something different with it. It's very much a kind of Robocop concept. And if you, if they had said that that was the remake of Robocop, I'd have been impressed. Um, likewise, if you had told me Old Guard was Highlander 5, I'd be like, that's a cool concept. you know. So when you say they're making a new Highlander movie, I want them to take the concept of Immortals and Swords and then do something really different with it. I, I actually... I. I know this is kind of off topic, but Dracula Untold, I actually like how that ended because it just gave me so strong um, Highlander vibes. And I think somebody like him, um, I can never remember his name and I really like him. Uh, Charles Dance. Paul something was his name? Luke Evans. Luke Evans, yeah. Luke Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he would have he made, made a good Highlander, to be fair. I don't really have uh, issue with Cavill as a... As, uh, one of the clouds, but uh, I think Evans would have made a cool Highlander because it was just in a thing where he was in the future. He obviously had an antique shop that he had collected his things over time, and that's how he lived his life and blah blah. And Highlander did that, and I, I just, I always just loved. And I think that's honestly, I think one of the reasons why I love Hellboy is just one of these characters that spans time and goes through time. And I love that idea of collecting antiques and different artifacts and blah blah, blah and the different traveling the world and different stories they've got. Like Wonder Woman, never heard of it. Um. But yeah, do you think Cavill does a Scottish accent? Did did Christopher do a Scottish accent? I think he tried. I think he tried. Um, hey, there's there's no I, telling what they um, sounded like back then. The Celts were made up of Gaul and this, French. This they, for... He could have sounded he could have sounded exactly like Christopher Lambert. I bet you that's the rationale that was in his head. I'm excited. I'm excited for the movie. Um, or the, is it? Is well, it I mean, movie the Highlander is called the Highlander because he is a Scottish immortal from the Highland of Scotland. As we know, Highlander. Henry Cavill is from the island of Jersey, and those people are called Jerseymen. Less of, less of a ring to it. Jerseylander. Jerseymen. There can be only one. All right, let's move on. Um, I don't know what we decided there about Highlander. I mean, I. It's good. It's a positive. We're going to watch Highlander movie. We've watched like, it historically. Cavill, we hope it's good. And leather pants. Sign me up. That's yes. All I'll say. Oh, you, you'd love The Witcher if you've not seen it, right? It's literally that. That that's why I said it. That was, oh. that was the joke. Oh, <laughs> I've seen The Witcher. So, so uh, sounds like sounds like you haven't. <laughs> also, so we watched Army of the Dead. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I liked it, but I have issues. I hated it so much. I hate it. I I dislike him. I hated the film. So stupid. 11 minutes and 11 seconds, I was out. And it took me three more attempts to watch it. So stupid. I 
hated. So just to give an overview, uh, Army of the Dead focuses Army of the on... Dead is a zombie heist movie. Sign me up. I want to see that film. This is not that film. I've saved you two hours. It's not a zombie heist movie. It sucks. G- g- give give no. me a moment here. That's all um, you need to say. <laughs> Army... Don't waste their time. Ar- Army of the Dead focuses on a ragtag group of mercenaries that are sent into a walled-off city of Las Vegas which is populated by zombies to lift $200 million and robots apparently Um, from there as you'd imagine everything goes wrong it is two and a half hours long that's too long they don't get into the city until 50 minutes in that's too long but I like I like the cast I enjoyed the people I I say the people because I don't know any of their names. Dave Bautista. You know that you know that Tignora or something. What's her name? Tignataro. Yeah. That's right. True. I will. I would say um, just one thing on that. She was she, her part was recast. Basically, there was somebody else meant to do it. I can't remember his name. He's a. Sh- she didn't share a single scene with the cast. She was a schmuck. Anyways. Oh, not she. Not she. No, not not her. No, hang on. Actually, you can edit it out because I, I made a mistake. Not her. The guy that was she was meant to was originally meant to. Yeah, I don't like him. He's a I don't prick. like him anyways. Yeah. He's. A, I don't like him anyways. And then I just read that he was initially going to be cast in it, and then he was. He, he yeah. Obviously, he's a scumbag, and they recast her. And I was just like, that's brilliant. Chris D'Elia was cast as the helicopter yep. pilot, and they removed they, him. I, recast yeah. Tignataro. Yes, but she shot all of her scenes by herself. So she never actually met the rest of the cast. I think they might no. have even shot... I don't know if they shot some scenes with Chris Delia, but by the time they got rid of him, the rest of the cast had kind of moved on, so they had to shoot. All, all of, all of Tick's scenes are not with the rest of the cast. They're by herself. Green screen. And it's very obvious, I thought. Yeah. I didn't realize it afterwards, but then when you look back at it, it's just like, oh yeah, she's definitely not in any of these places. That's not even the worst thing about the film. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, I actually, I really liked her character. I was just, you know, talking about the cast and stuff. I actually really liked her. She was great. Uh, I don't know the rest of them. One one of my notes that I made was, what a waste of Garrett Dillahunt. Who's he? He, uh, he is the guy sent in by Hiroki Sonata oh, yes. to look after uh, his Oh, yeah, money. I love him. He's great. Yeah, he's in, he's in Deadwood. Deadwood. Raising Hope was it? Was it the other show? Raising Hope, Raising yeah. Hope, yep. Good. Uh, oh, he's in, he's he's been in a good few things. I always I always have I have I know it sounds weird to say I have a soft spot for him and the guy who did the voice of the he's a funny name I can never remember his name Aiden knows his name I think you said it last time on Invincible he's the guy who kind of like helps Army Man and um, or he's the guy who kind of helps Mark and and his mother after Army Man goes AWOL with the scars Wal- on Walton, his face. Walton Goggins. Yeah, I love Walton Goggins. They're two characters. They're two actors. I think are just great when they do bits. So Hiroyuki Sanada wants his money. Least of Hiroyuki Sanada. Yep, he puts together the team. They've set up a world where there are camps around the exterior walls of Las Vegas of potentially infected people. They're kind of refugee camps. Is that a good idea? I mean, I can see it happening. These decontamination camps. Look, none of the film is a good idea. Yeah, but I'm just it's trying bad. to like talk through the film, talk through the elements of the film. I was annoyed by fast vampires to begin with. I don't like fast vampires, or sorry, zombies, fast zombies. But it's something that I've come to acknowledge is just like there's a lot of slow zombie movies. There's going to be fast zombie movies. I got to choose the thing I'm watching. I liked that they created a logic for the differentiation between 
fast and slow zombies, shamblers versus alphas. Why are some of them robots? That is something that does seem to happen as you go on. Once they start punching them, they've got like a day glow blue. I think that's meant to be. The, I think I think that's meant because they're alphas. No, one one of them's one one of them's a robot. In the casino, at the end, they shoot him, and it's metallic. It's it's a robot. What the fuck is that about? One of them is a robot, very clearly. See, now I no, saw it's a robot that as well. It's a robot. Like, it's a robot. He he. It Snyder has said, "Did anybody spot the robots?" It's a robot. There's a. Ro- he, he said, said "Does anybody it's spot stupid. the robot?" There's a robot in there. Can we stop the podcast now? I'm sad. <laughs> I like. I th- when I saw that, what I thought was happening was they're representing whatever ludicrous fucking biological weapon, chemical super soldier serum they put. I saw that and I said, I must have missed something because I'm not into this movie, and I'm sure. They've explained this, and then I read about it afterwards. And he did a Q and A at a screening, and he asked the audience, "Did any of you spot the robot zombie?" What the fuck? Why was well, it just like an Easter egg for fun? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't like this movie. It's stupid. It's a stupid movie. There's a robot. Zombie. I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say about the movie in terms of um, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's not awful, however. I did. I actually didn't really like the whole like alpha zombie pregnant wife things like that. I thought were like why? Ugh. Why does a zombie fetus need to gestate? Why does it die when it's taken out of the dead body? Yeah, it's it's how would an undead baby? Die? How do undead yeah. things grow? I've been in Kilmainham, which is near Phoenix Park, and sometimes when I'm crossing the road. You hear these sirens. Kev, you've probably experienced this living near the area. Yes. You hear these sirens and you're like, what's that? And then a motorbike speeds up out of nowhere and stops stops traffic in every direction. And I can't cross the road for a few minutes. And you think, what's going on here? And then a convoy comes through and it's probably some diplomat heading to either the embassy or Oris Anukdaron. But minutes before anything shows up, at least two motorbikes pull up. Yes. And stop all traffic. This film opens with an extended sequence showing a convoy, military convoy. The four horsemen. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the fucking like Bible and mythology shit in this film. There's a fucking extended sequence of them ex- you know, transferring something from Area 51. Military convoy. And they get derailed by two drunks coming in the opposite direction on coming uh, is on sure, sure on, right on one on just a fucking stretch of desert road like it's so stupid the guys are having a chat like why isn't it, why like, how, how did the convoy it also, it also the convoy, took them far too long the, to say alien how did the convoy get derailed by one car why wasn't there motorbikes going ahead why wasn't there air support going uh, there's two drunk like stupid stupid and that's four minutes into the film it's and also that that phone call that phone call between the the guy who um the army man and the lady and the kind of like the dispatch or whatever there's a phone call and like they kind of go on too long before she asks what about the like it's it's like the four horsemen and everything and you think it sounds very urgent and she's just like oh we had an incident okay don't worry we're gonna try and send blah blah and can you you know it's just like it's like should you not be worried if the if the cargo you're carrying has been breached or compromised or whatever you know and it kind of takes too long of that conversation to even 
hit that point of oh my god the the thing could potentially be, be loose do you know what I mean it's it, like they kind of it's the, dumb. the gravity wasn't there it, it, it is there's definitely and, and that's the whole film like the sort of movie moment but it's, it's not a movie moment where like, it, it's just this it's this it's it's plot breaking minutes into it and it's like there's there's an easier way around this like this is stupid there, there is a thing that drives me nuts in movies where somebody says something and someone goes what and then they repeat it and they go step back like mm. if if that's a military scenario with a fucking potentially dangerous biological weapon the order is get as far away from it you possibly can the soldier on the other end goes got it everybody fucking retreat and and it, but he it's, he says leave it and it's just like what leave it it's just like that that doesn't make no, sense the, to me. the order was get as far yeah. away from it as fucking possible. And he's just like, hey, dude, dude, leave it. Leave it. Urgent. The yeah. reason it's stupid is because it's just spent minutes showing you, like, in a detailed way, how thorough and, like, how highly classified and how structured and specific. They've got the code words. They're going through fences. It's this big operation. And then, like, this mm. goes to such great lengths to establish this is a serious thing. And then minutes later, it breaks it with just fucking stupidity. It's like, don't, don't, mm-hmm. your movie can be stupid. Just don't spend so much time trying to not be stupid to then break it minutes later. That's, that's the problem. Okay. And this is, this, this is four is minutes into of, the film. Yeah. Now, I, again, not, I'm going to repeat. Not do I, this. I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was, it's too I haven't even got like, it's too long can I, can I tell hours. you like what what like 11 minutes where I was like I'm done with this the parachuted guy 11 minutes you're still in the 11 minutes you're, you're still, still in the, the credits yeah, and then me and Eber were watching the time going and Brian clocked out at this time yeah. wow, I wonder what men him clock out yeah. <laughs> so you've got that opening and it's it's and like stupid's fine like my, my problem with stupid my problem and with, just, just for the listeners uh when we say still in the credits, it's a very sort of, we've seen this from Zack Snyder now, a slow-mo musical elaboration of, you know, it, it actually, the opening of Zombieland. That's that's what I was about to, to say, is that well. Zombieland does it so much mm. better, was mm. what I was getting to. Like, mm. stupid's fine if you're just stupid the whole way through, you know, just be camped the whole way through. But mm-hmm. in minutes, he's gone from serious military operation to just stupid zombie strippers stupid for the sake of like my this thing's got to break out of the convoy so something stupid's got to happen and then it's 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 literally the opening of Zombieland it's he, he rips it off yep. except Zombieland Zombieland it, it Zombieland is graphic and funny and straight away you know it's like okay it's showing me kind of violent things but the, it's also playing out to like for whom the bell tolls and it's it's kind of funny and violent at the same time. And you, you get it straight away. It shows you a shocking thing, like a bunch of schoolgirls are uh, like a bunch of kids at a, a birthday party in like princess dresses, but they're zombies. And like the image is shocking, but it's also straight away you go, but that's kind of funny to think about. Mm. Army of the Dead goes from this serious opening with the military to then uh, a really bad cover of Viva Las Vegas, ripping off zombie land and then it shows us this it shows us the suburban mom with the automatic rifle and then it cuts to a hardened version of her and i don't know how much time has passed but she's she's gone from being suburban mom to this hardened zombie thing and the tone is all over the place because 
they're breaking people out of cars and then she realizes oh they've been infected and she shoots them but like the the blood when she shoots them in the car with these people that she's rescuing and they've, they've she realizes she's they've turned it's so slapstick and it's all over the place and then it does these kind of yearbook graduation photo shots all playing out in this mm-hmm. montage to this again bad version of viva las vegas and the, the, this is kind of yearbook style photo showing oh this is this these are the lives the people had before mm-hmm. this happened it's kind of c- contrasting but it's 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 jumping from funny to pretentious and kind of somber and then she finds her daughter and they're trying to escape and she gets caught and her daughter runs back together and in that moment i was like oh that's quite sad that she's you know she's you know gone through this transformation and she mm. finds her daughter and she she almost mm. escapes and she doesn't and her daughter goes back and then they're overrun by the zombies it's like oh, okay that's that's quite sad and then he drops a shipping container on them in a fucking like looney tunes kind of way and it's mm. it's kind of slapstick and it's just like is this was that supposed to be sad or is it supposed to be funny <coughs> or violent or shocking and it's 11 minutes in tonally it doesn't know what it is and i was just like i'm out this this movie it, it, it can't make up my its mind what it is and it's it's going it's to be kind like that of, for the rest of it and it's just stupid but it's like i said before on the podcast it's like Zack snyder like i don't get me wrong there's like it's like there's there's elements of Zack stuff that definitely i think works but then there's that 12 year old inside of him who's fucking hyped up a monster energy who's somebody kind of pitching a good idea and then he's just like let's drop the container on him then afterwards and it's just like Zach, you, you're on the right right path and he's just like but I insist I insist on doing it and then it's like, just like alright in, in, in ripping off Zombieland and then the cover of Viva, La, Viva Las Vegas turns to this kind of somber version with a, a female vocalist at the end I did like it yeah and it's playing out over this thing so he, like he's ripping off Zombieland but then he he can't decide if he wants to be pretentious or serious or funny in that moment. And see, I I didn't notice I, I wasn't as put out by any of that stuff. And I, I think that the the zombie movie, you know, for me jaded having seen as many fucking things, it's like this does this does what a zombie movie needs it to do. It doesn't though. And people really are going doesn't. to enjoy this people are going to enjoy it for me being a real cynic about it i, I see everything you're saying and it's too I'm, long i'm not even being cynical like, like I, I want to watch that movie and enjoy it like it, it yeah it's zombie land zo- the opening credits zombie land is great zombie lands yeah Z- zombie land dawn of the dead is dawn of the dead is a good zombie do, movie. do you do you think they lifted any of that like because that zombie land thing occurred to me and then i remembered the opening of watchmen what i'm saying is Zombie heist movie, sign me up. Should be great. I'm in. Okay, I'm on board. Well, and Zack Snyder's Army of Thieves finished shooting in December, so the prequel is just another zombie heist movie. Is coming. Is it even a heist movie though? It's about it's. Well, it's called Army of Thieves and it's about the safecracker. safecracker. I think it's just about him and his crew. I don't think it's necessarily a zombie movie. That's Safecracker. Uh, I I don't think it was directed by Snyder. It's, it's not a zombie. I don't think so. I don't know. That's mental if that's not a zombie movie. It's not directed by him. It's directed by the guy who plays the safecracker directed it, I believe. He directed it? I think so. Also, like... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. I can't remember the exact line. I wrote it down and I threw it away because I didn't care. But there's a line where the safecracker says something like, you know, 
she succumbs to the sheer dominance of his gentle touch. And it's just, he's been talking like that about the safe for the whole film. And it, it, it doesn't match yep. the rest of the thing at all. It's stupid. But he spends a lot of time talking about how advanced and complex this safe is. And then he cracks it like 30 minutes. any other, but not even 30 minutes. Thir- he cracks it just, like, just by listening to listening. it. I thought it was going to be this fucking... Yep quantum locking thing he cracks it by listening to it and he doesn't even use a stethoscope fucking dumb and it's um also can i just say they know the the guy who was like the youtube videos getting three headshots with one bullet yep absolutely useless person his his friend was good was was kicking ass his friend was awesome and she was kicking ass and she burst through this window and she's you know what surrounded by zombies and he doesn't do anything to help her nobody helps her they just watch that's the thing like the you know when, when that when I was watching that scene, and I was just annoyed because all she needed to do was tell Garrett Dillahunt that, like, you know, I don't trust you. But instead, she goes, I don't trust you. And we're going to have words because I know you're up to... It's just like, just leave it at, I don't trust you. But, like, they're telling you anyway that he's going to... If I don't it. trust somebody, I don't tell them I don't <laughs> trust them. Yeah. And I like, keep my mouth shut I'll, and an eye on them. I'll even forgive that. Like, they yeah, need, but she's they, Gen they, Z. They, they need to tell us that she's onto him and whatever. Like, I forgive it all of that. Yeah. And then moments later, it comes and, and he locks her in. And you know what's coming and it happens or whatever. But when she broke out for a second, I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I thought she was going to survive. And I thought it was going to change the dynamic of the mm. next 20 mm. minutes of the film. It's like, that's cool. Okay. I was like, all right, he's actually, yeah. he's got me here. I'm, 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 I'm in. Like, where's it going from yeah. here? Right. Right. Th- I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, with you as right well. Right there in that moment, I was like. She had a, she had a half dozen yeah. zombies around her and there were four guys with guns. Yeah. Like, Go. Help the guy her. could take out one, three zombies with yeah. one bullet. Like he, he was an absolute, he was useless because like, because like, he, it was he, just like. He wastes he wa- this brilliant moment of character where she's barricaded in a door and you think that's it for her. And it's like, oh, she's still alive. It's like, fuck, that's cool. Where's this going to go? Because she, now she's going to tell everybody like, how is this going to change what's happening next? I've, I've gone from going, this is so predictable yep. to going, I don't know what's going to happen next. It's like, oh no, 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 she's gone. She's dead. It's stupid. Yeah. The guy who can, like you said, take out three people with one bullet does nothing. She doesn't tell to anybody else. Uh, hey, don't he, trust he, Garrett Dillon. She goes, yeah. run, just run. Stupid. Um, you had Omari Hardwick as the, the philosopher with the saw. And I just, I just saw Zack Snyder. I, this is, uh, it's frustrating. The percentage of our podcasts that are railing against Zack Snyder at this point, uh, even though I, I enjoyed some of his stuff. We but all like I do see him looking yep. looking at like Night of the Living Dead and just going, there's Tony Todd, and he has a monologue about the gates of hell being swung open and all coming out in this sort of cryptic, philosophic moment in Night of the Living Dead. Let's have Omari Hardwick the do convoy that. convoy is called The Four, Four Horsemen. Horsemen. The main zombie Which is, is called Zeus. Shit. They named yeah. him. They're hiding... Yeah, he's called Zeus for some reason. Okay. Uh, that's just a credit list though, right? We never, they never called no, him Zeus. They, but they're hiding in Olympus Casino. Mm-hmm. And the dam is called the Rung, which is from Wagner's Ring Cycle, which is, right. it's German for... The safe. It's German for Ragnarok. And then right. at the end, <laughs> Omari directly references joseph campbell and it's like we get it zach you read a bit of joseph campbell i love joseph campbell but it's just like uh bible uh uh wagner uh greek mythology and he's gonna be called it's like just fuck off with your fucking with your stupid <laughs> fucking movie 
Just just make just like, make me the it, dumb it, zombie movie and just stop trying to be clever. Just fuck Okay, me. I would say I would say, I'm, right? But I would say I'm if the you guy that to... does this. My 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 shitty head goes, I know enough of these ingredients, I'm gonna put them all in my stupid film. Put put them all in. But don't ha- don't don't have the character directly talk about it. Mm. Just put them all in there and let people find it themselves. But the fact that he's gotta point it out is just it, it sums up. If you want to watch a good zombie movie directed by Zack Snyder, just watch Dawn of the Dead. It's great and it's fine. And it's, it's before... He, it's not. It's it's very problematic, to be honest. But no, but to be fair, it's before he was kind of on this path, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I would have watched Dawn of the Dead, say, when it came out, which I was probably like 17, 18, which is, let's be honest, that's the demographic they were going for with like Dawn of the Dead or something, you know? Like, kind of, it, it's great. And I loved it. And I definitely love it for nostalgic purposes in terms of like, kind of, it was just, I really enjoyed it. Would 17-year-old you have the patience for this movie? 33 year old me has the patience for this movie that's because you're yeah, tired I mean, and dead inside I, I watched we're it all tired I'm saying when you're 17 would you have had the patience for this <laughs> yeah man like I, I, w- I would have watched this film like see we're, we're watching these things and giving them undue thought to talk about them why is she stabbing so many guys in the neck what's that about there's way they, too they much explain neck that you gotta take them out in the brain and she's stabbing them in the neck yep. and his bulletproof helmet I'm sorry like you you might you might make a helmet that can stop a bullet. It's still going to turn your brain to fucking pudding, especially when it's shot multiple times. There's no such thing as a bulletproof helmet. It might stop a bullet. It'll still yeah. turn your brain to yeah. much. Stupid. If, 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 He's also super strong. Why bring a why bring What's someone this? who never killed a zombie before? It's a stupid movie. I like. It. I, I'd forgive it if it was ninety. If, if it was ninety minutes long and stupid, but didn't think it was smart. Fine, but it's stupid and it's long and it's stupid and it thinks it's smart that that i think is part of why i'm annoyed by i'm not annoyed i'm just conscious i'm saying these things to a potential audience but like snyder makes stupid movies why 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 the heist why the heist pretense why why not just say hey i want this i want a zombie head so i can make more zombies Why, why do you have to pretend it's a heist that's one of my fucking notes. That's one of my notes. This is your safe, right? Why do we have to crack Why do they have to crack a safe? Why do they have to pretend it's a heist? No, but he's sending them in to get his... He's sending them in for the head, not for the money. But no, but he... Yeah, this is true, but, but he's pretense. sending people in. Why is but, Dave Bautista's first question not, but this is your safe, right? You own the casino? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. So what's the code? Why do I have to but crack he, this? But your man goes to him like there's 200... But why even the pretense of a heist? Why not just say, "Hey, yep. I want to, uh, I, I want to hire a bunch of people to go in." To, and catch to me be zombie. fair, to be fair, I don't think you're going to get. It. You don't think you're going to sell, especially this group of people, on the idea of, um, we want to make more zombies. No, but find a cure. Tell them we want the head. Find a cure. We need a head off an alpha. Find a cure. You know. But mm. I was going to say, yeah, like in in, uh, in in the scene as well, where Batista's talking to. The the guy who owns the the money essentially he goes like oh it's two hundred million or whatever mm-hmm. he's like uh, and the insurance covered it which we also said is kind of problematic but um but like uh, the insurance covered it so it's like it's untaxable untraceable two hundred million and your man goes like kind of and Batista's like yeah that you can't spend and he goes that's where you come in I'm gonna give you fifty million and it's just like what about the rest of the money then also like a no fly zone is a no fly zone you can't fly out of a no fly zone any easier than you can fly in. It's like, it's a no-fly zone. We can't fly over there. But you can't fly out. It's like, no, that's not how it works. If a no-fly yeah, zone is yeah. no-fly zone. It's stupid, it's yeah. stupid. Great, I loved it. Brilliant. It's stupid. 
I had good fun. I'd with forgive it, it all of this if it's just zombie didn't tiger. Think it was smarter than it was. Zombie tiger was cool. Though, when they mentioned Siegfried and Roy, I did. Why think they haven't done why? that show in ten years? Why? Right? Once one of them got attacked by a tiger. Yeah, but he's why? from a different generation. He's okay. a boomer. Why? He's Gen X. Is the zombie on a yes. horse? Why does a zombie horse behave exactly like a regular horse? Why does everything else turn into a murderous thing, but a zombie horse is still a horse? And why does he need one? How does he get to the Olympus at the end? They get there in a helicopter and Zeus yeah, gets it, there at the same fucking time as them. But not on his horse. But why does he have he a... He does on the horse. Do you think he was trying no, to go for a Frank Frazetta death eater or whatever it's called? I kind of thought it was very uh, reminiscent of that Frank Vizetta t- painting of him well, and the horse. The thing is, the, those alphas aren't zombies. Whatever's going on. This is the fucking problem as well. He's got a whole prequel, sequel, comic book tie-in, half-baked lore it's that he's going to try and get into. It's a soldier crossed with alien DNA. Okay. Is what it is. And robots. And robots, apparently. And zombie animals. But like, what, why, why does the zombie horse behave like a normal horse? And why does he need one if he's superhuman? Stupid. It's a great movie. So, alternatives to Army of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, yeah. Just if you want your Zack Snyder zombie itch, watch that. But Zombieland, but Zombieland I, I, 2 is But fun. when you say that, I went the original Dawn of the Dead. Nah. No? no you stop. Not the dead. You want you want you want to stick with Zack Snyder? Yeah, because there's a, also a zombie baby in it, and it's brilliant. And Phil from go watch Zombieland or Twenty Eight Days Later if you want modern zombie movies. One's fun, yeah. one's scary. I I would almost even like just the girl with all the gifts. Sean when you mentioned dead. the alien DNA thing, there like go watch Annihilation with Natalie Portman. Like that's that's a. It's not a it's not a fun zombie movie by any means, but like it was interesting, and they've got a dead human zombie hybrid bear in there, so that's cool. It's a man anyway. bear pig. Scare bear. Why did man scare bear man bear pig? Why did Natalie Portman not come back for the Thor movies and future Marvel projects? I know she's going to be Jane Foster, but what was the idea behind that? Well, this is a massive tangent conversation to get into based on the Army of Dead thing that we were in, but I suppose we were wrapping it up, but we could move on. Um, I don't have an answer other than the women in the Marvel Universe have been underserved historically mm-hmm. and she was under no obligation to stick around to be Chris Hemsworth's sidekick. Fair, fair. Well, I, 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 but I say, yeah, I didn't really view her as Chris Hemsworth's sidekick because it's like if you're kind of familiar with Because she doesn't even do enough to be a sidekick. Well, yeah, and that's not saying that she does enough. That's saying that I mean, she, she only, they have not she written only, enough for her to do. She only didn't come back for Ragnarok, technically. This is true. And was she, that's because was there wasn't in, really... Was she in Tour 2? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Okay. I don't completely misjudged it. Um, well, no, I just... I know what, I know what Aiden's saying in terms of being dramatically under, un, underserved and stuff. But, like, kind of knowing how it goes... She's looking buff like, for Love and Thunder. I was, she yeah, looks she looks great. great, yeah. She looks strong. But, like, kind of... I can understand why not... Why, why Natalie Portman took it if, it if if she was under the impression that it was going to lead on to, like... Tor, her being Tor and stuff. Do you, Tor, I don't know Tor. Do you think? Do you think she was? She knew that it was it was going that way. I don't think that narrative was in place in the comic books when she took it. I think it was. I think it was. I think, I think it was. was I think she knew. Yeah. Times. I think she knew that it was on the cards. Really? I think. I think she mentioned it. Yeah. I think she did. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing her as Tor. To be fair, I think it's. Uh, 
have you seen have you seen the footage where where it looks like she's you know probably transforming or something for the first time have you seen the behind the scenes footage of this no it's, no it, it's it looks so like it, it kind of looks cool but it, it, it silly is the wrong word it looks kind of um a bit absurd and surreal um i think she finds maybe the like shards of mjolnir and she interacts with them or something and it looks like they they transform her but uh, it, it's a cool, it's an interesting looking shot because it looks like there's real waves crashing behind her, so it looks quite mm-hmm. dramatic. And she's mm. she's essentially she's like floating in the air and she's like you know possessed by the the power of it or something. And she she's on a rig, on a harness where she's like lifted with wires, but for stability, mm-hmm. <laughs> for stability they've got somebody in a you know one of those like green green or blue suits like standing underneath her holding her heels so like oh, god bless her she, yeah so it looks like she's doing actors go through so much so she's it looks like she's standing on somebody's like hands and they're holding her and yes uh, yeah. she, but she's on a harness as well but it just looks quite silly because it reminds me of those um japanese game shows where they had people yes. in the you know in the black suits with the black background and stuff and it, lo- it looks like that yeah. it looks quite silly yeah. and it's funny to it's funny to think that they won't key it out <laughs> and it might just be left and there obviously will be but uh, yeah it's funny there's a video of somebody doing that like in green suits with green sticks to like women's hair for like shampoo commercials yeah just, like moving shit um i don't know if that's real um it looked hilarious um 2014 was the first jane thor maybe okay. when they were working the dark world she became aware of it and okay um you know it's a good angle for or a good path for her character to go and she's like yeah that'd be great but then when it looked like it wasn't going to go that way because they do make a point of saying in age of ultron and other things that they're not together anymore they make a point of you know mm. saying oh she's only not back for ragnarok would be cool if they didn't a number of times because they mention it in i do i think, Infinity I think War they are again, together in age of ultron him. but they're just doing it because they're i think isn't it Banner and Thor are both bragging about what their their partners are doing, and it doesn't necessarily say that they're not together. It's just that they're all oh, right. They're okay. doing, but they're it kind of doing... made conspicuous the notion that they weren't in this movie. Yeah, it just had to address it. I guess it felt like I, had to... I guess we'll just stay tuned for the Army of the Dead franchise to grow and us to come to love all of these characters. I'm sure by the time I watch the cartoon prequel and the Army of Thieves prequel, I'll, I'll have changed my mind. I'll be on board. Cool, Brian. We could just erase this episode from the internet anyways. The other thing we were going to talk about this week then is Love, Death and Robots Volume 2 on Netflix. Um, So there are eight episodes in Volume 2. When you get an anthology with this sort of variety, there's going to be some we love, there's going to be some we hate, there's going to be some we are different to. Volume 1 is up there as well. It's 18 episodes. That was a little more uneven extremely uneven extremely uneven so we, we've just resolved ourselves to talk about the eight episodes of volume two here so from volume one watch beyond the Aquila rift and zima blue those were my two faves from one is horror so prepare yourself and the other is not horror um those are my two faves from the first volume and I was talking briefly to Kevin during the week and he said he enjoyed suats now I enjoyed suits but I think you specifically told me Maybe it was. I, I think hated it was you. Suits. You hated it. You hated see, it. 
And I went the, into the watching farm, Suits the knowing The farm guys with the robots. Yeah, yeah I hated yeah. it. Ah. I hated it. I went into volume one knowing that Brian hated this thing and I watched it and went, I enjoyed this. And then the first thing Kevin said to me was, this is great. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess to the audience, throw suits into the middle of your Beyond the Aquila Rift and Zima Blue thing and, and see where you land. Um, so volume two, the first one is called Automated Customer Service. It's a world with a lot of... Did you, you know, rank uh, yours? Roomba style Did anybody animals. rank theirs? Oh, did you rank them? I ranked mine. No, actually. Okay, I'm, I'm I remember take... specifically saying in the chat, "Let's rank them because there's only eight. I okay. mean, guys, come well, then, on. Let's let, let's mean... take a minute here. I'm I'm taking a pause on the podcast here, and I'm going to rank. I wasn't ready them. for this. I feel sick. Okay, get a sheet. Get a sheet of paper. <clears throat> you can do it in no time. Get get a sheet of paper and uh, put them in order of your favorites. I guess. Okay, granddad, with your sheet of paper. <laughs> check, uh, check the group chat. Have you got your rank, do you? Yeah. Out of 10? No, like, there's eight, and what was your favorite? To yeah, I'm not going to do that. I agree with you guys. No, no, do your, do your <laughs> It'll take no time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we, we just took a moment here to just rank the eight episodes of Love, Death, and Robots as in order of our preference. So I say let's each list our least favorite one so i will say my least favorite was my number eight because i I just i don't really want to be negative about the hard work of people um from blur studios written by harlan ellison directed by philip gelat or no is it alex Beatty, produced by philip gelat Uh, directed by alex Beatty. life hutch the michael b jordan fighter pilot was was that was that all animated yeah, I believe What's so. It's motion capture yeah. like hell, though. Yeah, because some of some of it like looks like his actual generated face. rendering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it, but it definitely wasn't. I could, I couldn't even. Yeah, it wasn't one. So the reasons that it is my least favorite is it a lot of these to me feel like VFX showcases that they're you know it's it's a technical exercise to get them more work in feature film. <clears throat> end of things or video game into things not that they don't already have that work but it's a showcase and the story is very very simple and it's a a starfighter pilot crash lands goes to a lifeboat on a, a nearby asteroid or rock and the repair droid in the place is malfunctioning from the thing being dropped and it's trying to kill him and he has to sort of survive in a space it's a real simple little story um and it is good and there's good tension, but it just kind of bored me. I just wasn't interested. And if you're doing that level of motion capture and photorealistic rendering, just shoot Michael B. Jordan and green screen in the background is basically my take on it. That's my number eight. Kev? Uh, my number eight was Ice. Um, two brothers from home, far from home, joined genetically modded locals in a deadly race. Yeah, so that's the Robert Valley one from Passion Pictures or Passion Studios. He directed the my favorite one from volume 1. So just pointing mm. that out. Mhm. Th- thanks Brian for making me feel like shit. No, I'm just saying I'm just saying that he he did I think he did the best one in volume 1. That's all I was saying. Okay. Why was that your least favorite one? I don't think I really liked the style of it although there's elements of the style that I, I, I liked but I think ultimately I didn't like the character design maybe 
and stuff. And I just felt that it was a little bit like, meh. Yeah, actually, I didn't really care for it. It was just a bit meh. That's fair. Okay. Um, um, I I sent, like Brian can tell you, I sent him a still shot from it when I was watching it. They just went, Ugh. There are shots of these characters and the way they're built that like are extreme and don't quite work. And it's rigged in such a way that like they move in units with a little skew on them. And some of those, like it, I think it's one of the shots in the bedroom with it, it doesn't quite work. But once they get out into the world and they start having the race, I really do like it. I think it, it just works on a more extreme yeah. behaviours. When it's something static like two people just standing having a conversation, it, it looks a little... You know, it needs the movement to sell the dynamism of the posing and the, the skews and stuff. But I can understand why it um, fell flat for you too. Yes. Brian, how did you feel about Ice? Uh, I liked it, yeah. I like, I, like I said, uh, Zima Blue, he directed Zima Blue from Volume 1. And I think Zima Blue was probably the high point of Volume 1. Uh, I don't think Ice was as good. Very simple story. Not that it was bad. Um... I think it looked mostly great. I'd, I'd agree with you that there's there's some shots where his style, certain angles, don't work as well. But I think for the most part, I think for the most part, it looked it looked great. Um, the story was just kind of a nice, simple story. Um, yeah, it'd be in the middle for me, I, I guess. I think the the difference because there are simple stories through all of these. I think the fact that the the story in Life Hutch was so simple really just flagged to me how much of a you know this is about the fact that i can photorealistically render michael b jordan's face yeah mm. whereas it with ice it's a simple story but they're really pushing how it looks in a yeah. in a abstracted or interesting way as opposed to just going photorealism mm. you know like <laughs> it doesn't serve the business to do something that odd you know mm. whereas i think showing their spaceship battles says you know hey lucasfilm yeah, I do. I do think though. Um, after watching the eight episodes and stuff, they're really getting. I think I know it's like obviously technology's progressed so much, but they're really they're getting there in terms of making these three D. They're already model, there. Yeah. They're they're already just, there. We see it in movies. We see yeah. photo replacement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we yeah. we we see um, you know the moment an actor becomes a special effect. In, a, in an action movie, you don't notice it anymore. You don't notice the fact that it's not Hugh Jackman driving the cars in Logan. You know, they just put his face on whatever driver they stick in there. You know, mm. it, okay, yes, yeah, so fair to there. They're there. It's just once you've got that photorealism, do something interesting with it. So number seven. <coughs> oh, sorry, Brian. You're oh, sorry, number, <coughs> Brian. You're, you're number, number eight. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Brian. Can you please tell us your number eight? Automated customer service. Automated Customer Service. So, Automated Customer Service is directed by uh, Kevin Van Der Meeren, David Nicholas, and Laurent Nicholas. Now, I want to defend this, but having just looked at that, I was like, did it take three people to direct that? Animation Studios, Atoll Studios, 13 minutes. It's it's a world full of Roomba-based, you know, kind of Wally automation, and one of them turns on its owner. Um, why is this your number eight? It was just a bit lazy and cliched. You know, we've we've seen the, you know, humans become kind of slobs and grotesque through convenience. We've seen that in Wally. We've seen humans versus machines before. It, it's an obvious kind of dig at like a certain type of culture and society. But 
it didn't really it was trying to like be a bit of a satire without being that funny it didn't have anything to add to the oh you know like it, it felt like it was a you know parody about kind of consumerism and just you know having a dig at a certain type of west coast lifestyle you know making fun of spirituality and yoga and excess and laziness and all this kind of stuff and kind of grotesquery and it just didn't add in any way I'd, I'd seen it before Mitchell's versus the machines is on Netflix now as well and there's a very similar story and doesn't much better you know it just it 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 wasn't it's trying to be a bit of a satire i think of a certain type of culture but like i said i've seen it in seen it in wally seen it in mitchell's versus mm-hmm. machines and it didn't it just didn't didn't add okay. anything that's okay um, see for yeah. for me with it and kev can give us his opinion as, as well for for me with it i hear what you're saying we've seen a number of different versions of it and they did it fine and you know they had a bit of fun but, but again it. like to, to, tonally tonally it didn't work because again it, it couldn't settle on it couldn't settle on like how silly or how funny or how violent it wanted to be you know like you've got these kind of grotesque looking characters in a kind of caricature kind of way but then the robot microwaves the fish and it's super graphic and it's like, oh, what am I watching? It's, you know, and then it, it kind of attacks the dog. The voice acting was really mismatched with the characters, I felt. Very jarring. The second the woman starts talking, I was, I was like, I was like, what? Like, it, it just, there was a, it, for me, there was a disconnect between the, the tone, the plot, the visuals, the humor, everything. It just, none of it was cohesive. It, it didn't work for me at all. And not faulting, again, like you said, like, the talent is clearly uh, fucking... Yeah. Visually, every one of these is 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 yeah, great. Yeah, all of these things, I, I I would be I would be hesitant to say the worst. You know, it's just where do these rank in our taste? Yeah, not like my least favorite, least favorite, basically. And for me, it was it was that lack of cohesion. It was like it's not. I don't know. Does this want to be a tense kind of thing? Like, oh, how's she going to escape the robot? Is it going to be slapstick kind of violent, or is it going to be? You know, it's like is this supposed to be funny? And then it's so graphically violent when it kills the fish in the tank. I was like, oh, is this supposed to be horror? Like, which is this? And is it just is it just satire or parody? And then the voice acting, disconnect, not cohesive. Didn't didn't work for me. Didn't like it. Kevin, have you got thoughts on automated it's, customer it, it, service? It's my it's my number one choice. Is it? No. Okay. <laughs> well did, did you enjoy but like would you I actually enjoyed it. To be honest, it was it's in my top top or okay. three or four uh, I liked it um, and I was kind of a little bit like Brian in some of like his his thoughts initially when I was watching it and then that moment where it's just like do you just do you will you throw your pet at the at the ramba and it's just like she was just like no and I was like okay so she kind of has a heart she's not as vapid and as materialistic as as I, I initially perceived it to be but I, I just I liked it and it was th- fun that's kind of what I mean is that you know it's presenting her as you know it it, it, it kind of I felt like I was supposed to dislike her because it's like, oh, you're not supposed to like her because she's doing yoga and she's out of touch and she's just living this kind of sheltered life. Privileged. Yeah, and I felt like that's yeah. what she was supposed to be and then then, then she's not. And I'm just like, what am I supposed to think about, you know, this person? Am I supposed to be sympathetic or am I supposed to take delight in her running away from, from, mm. from the robot? And I just, it just didn't work for me. Okay. Okay. See, I, I didn't... 
I didn't take a disliking to her at all just because she had a you know comfortable life and was doing some no yoga. I, I I didn't but I, um, I felt I felt like I felt like initially it was critical of those things because it was kind of showing that look how leathery and grotesque everybody looks because they're all living these sheltered pampered lives and it's not necessarily that I disliked them but I felt like that's that's the view it took of mm-hmm. of okay. things but so my number seven then is Tall Grass or The Tall Grass directed by Simon Otto from uh, Axis Animation. Uh, a train breaks down in a field of tall grass and one of the passengers walks out into the grass and gets turned around and lost and then these monsters come out of the grass and he has to battle his way back to the train and will he get there or won't he? And I think it looked really nice but was ultimately pointless. Yeah. Or I did. I didn't see the point. If if I have to reach for something, there's a metaphor I think it's about getting like lost saying, in the ocean of the world yeah, or something. But it's it's like sometimes there isn't enough of an arc to kind of warrant. It's like, well, what was the point of this then? So like with with mm-hmm. life hutch, it's like okay, it looks great, looks very nice. There's moments of tension. I thought when the thing stood in his hand and it crushed it, I was like, that was that was like a tense moment. But ultimately, mm-hmm. when it's over, it's like what was the point of all of it? Like, what's the arc? And it's kind of similar with tall grass. Looked really nice, visually really nice, but he gets off the train and then he gets back on the train. And that's kind of it, you know? It's not scary at any point, really. You know, it's just, it was fine. Looks really nice. It looks lovely. Yeah. Like, there's a real painterly thing. They've, it like, I think, um, you know, I, I got a credit into the Spider-Verse with, making people put things on twos you know because it was clearly on twos and fours to to make it just that little bit choppier uh, i think you mean lego movie lego movie as well yeah whatever but what, what was that um, other, there was a kind of a thing was a town called panic before that i know yeah I know lord and miller um, were big fans that, of that i think i think that inspired yeah. a lot of lego movie to be honest wreck it ralph has that as well with the like the 8-bit characters move on fours um, which I always thought was genius in, you know, it, it, it was a genius moment for somebody to go, oh, I can, I can have my 60 frame a second smooth spline animated character here in the same world as characters that are, I can play, I can play with the medium because for a long time people were just doing the thing and somebody, it took somebody to go, oh, we can do something else, which is what these short films tend to do is, you know, show the big studios they can do something more interesting or they can they can play with it. And Pixar have done that for years where they pressure test a new technology in a short. You think it's, you know, a short just for your benefit, you know, in front of your Pixar movie. But no, it's always a, it's always a tech demo of what you're going to see next. And mm. um, whether it's fur, feathers or human skin or whatever the hell else. Mm. Um, they might have reached a point now where it's proofing ground for up and coming directors as well. But like historically, it's been tech demos work. Mm. Um, so yeah, tall grass looks gorgeous, but ultimately, I I didn't get a point out of it. Um, I'm sure the director can tell me the philosophy behind it, and I'll go. Yep, I guess that's in there, but it didn't do it for me. I actually I liked it. Um, it's okay. another it's another like I think it's like a three or four like tall grass and the other one the automated one. They're like kind of my three or four on the list. Um, I actually like tall grass, but. I'm, I'm like you know I I love a good one shot comic book or a good like kind of just short story or whatever, in 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 the sense of um, you know it's just it was just a moment a snapshot like a real clear story of guy in a train 
chooses to have a smoke break in the tall grass monsters attack him and he nearly doesn't make it back and then the 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 conductor saves him is just like well no one's going to believe you anyways you know but in terms there's of there's a um there's a short like that called Madame Tootly Pootly which is a stop motion short it is 17 minutes long i saw it in annecy years ago and it like was my standout for the I whole still festival have a and copy of it on the shelf behind me that you gave me oh, yeah it's, i it's I, me. I think i have one somewhere <laughs> i'll check it out i i love it is it is it, is it, it's a film? Is it or a short movie? Yeah, so it's yeah. a short on a train. It it's Brian probably showed weird me that and beautiful it. and um. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, all I was gonna say is like, I I just I like to kind of uh, I like sometimes when something is short they keep it simple and sometimes I just like you know it's fine to be like say uh, in that world for you know, if it's 10 minutes and just getting a little snapshot of it. And I liked it. And I, I like this stylistically. And that's why I like suits in season one. I, I enjoy kind of like the mech farmer type of stuff and things like that. But it's done really nicely stylistically. And I, that's what I liked about the tall grass. And I enjoyed it. It's also kind of the whole like, um, it was kind of like uh, uh, 1800s America or something like mm. that. And, and I just, I just, I liked it. I liked it. Well, that's, that's, um, an approach to this short filmmaking that, um, as you mentioned, Suits in season one, that I, I kind of hadn't applied to this eight in this thought process. But when I saw Suits, I went, oh, somebody's looking at this as a pitch for a series, you know, as an opportunity mm. to pitch a series concept, because Suits lends itself to that. Mm. Like I could I can see that world being built into a TV series. What's your number seven, Kev? Oh, my number seven. I think it's sorry. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Snow in the Desert. That's the name of it. Yes. Snow in the Desert, directed by uh, Leon Burrell, Dominique Bowden, Remy Kazira, and Maxime Luer. Apologies for the butchering of the names. The, the studio is Unit Image. 18 minutes long, uh, an albino man on an alien planet is hunted for his immortal genetics that will allow people to live forever. Um, what did you think of it? It's your number seven, anyway. I just it's I, I just didn't think it grabbed my attention as much as the other ones, and I think, um, I I, I think I like and like, I like okay, I like people, and it's it's like kind of comic books as well. I used to, but now I do, and it's like a weird thing that happened to me when I was younger. I much liked a more serious, realistic approach and take to things, comic books, art movies whatever video games but nowadays i actually like when they stylize stuff and i get to see something different i'm not as attracted to stuff that is meant to look super realistic even though i don't like the bad batch stylistically or that star wars universe stuff it just i like these shorts and i like the shorts that are more artistic and stylized than the realistic ones even though ice wasn't one i liked i just didn't like that as such but i i prefer sure. i prefer them to be a little bit more Stylized so snow, snow in the Desert brought a photorealism to it that wasn't your favorite, so that's why it's number seven on your list. But what did you think of the the narrative? Uh like I liked it, but again, kind of just you know, Didn't maybe grab you either. Yeah, maybe I was like you know I was doing a few bits and bobs uh, at the time when I was watching these things, uh, so I should probably say that I was, I was drawing, um, but doing a few and then like doing emails or whatever. But but like I was watching them, and. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, but no, I just want to say this. It's just like, it just didn't grab my attention as much as the other ones did. Okay. And uh, Brian, you're number seven? Life Hutch. Life Hutch. Yeah. Okay. Looked nice. Prob- probably just for similar reasons. Same reasons as you, Aiden. Yeah, just looked really nice, but had, you know, some effective moments of tension, but just kind of like 
when it was over, it was like, cool. Like, okay. Nice. Whatever. Cool. Okay. I mean, we don't, no, no more needs to be said on that. Mm-hmm. Um, my number six is Pop Squad, mm-hmm. directed by Jennifer Yoon Nelson from Blur Studios. Pop Squad is uh, about a policeman or a division of the police that handle uh, excess population. It's a world of immortals, so nobody's breeding. Anyone that's having children, the children are eliminated. And this guy kind of finds a conscience in that and, and questions what he does. I I really did not like the look of it when it started. It definitely... Um, I wasn't a fan of the aesthetic. The performances, even if it wasn't photorealistic, the performances were simple and small to the point that I'm like, why aren't you just using an actor at this point? The characters aren't stylized enough for me to think you needed to do this. Um, but by the end of it, I was kind of... I, I really did like the the performance and the character's arc, and I found him quite sympathetic, and, and the, the script around, you know, an immortal person seeing the world anew through a young person's eyes kind of hit me a bit, and I, like I did quite like it, so that moved it up a number in my list, but I still kind of was like, I could have just seen actors do this. Um, so again it falls into this is a VFX tech demo. I, I think the thing though is like like part of the reason like yeah you could you could put Michael B. Jordan in a set because it's very much like a, a bottle episode thing you could have just shot him and kind of made the costumes and stuff like that but I think the reason with something like this why you don't do actors is because you can't show the world on the same scale and you can't stylize it the same way so like mm-hmm. you, you can't get those same rainy shots on the ground level in the sepia tones you, you you can't shoot that without it looking like a set in city with an with a bunch of actors it would just look very set bound yeah. and then you can't do them kind of in the sky to the same way as well mm-hmm. and you, you could you could maybe do the backgrounds in cg but then you're inserting the actors on green screen and then yeah. you know how, how like however far photorealism has come in terms of a digital version of a, a human compositing still hasn't quite got there. Um, okay. You can, I think a person on a green screen, sometimes you can't tell, but a lot of the time you can still tell like the, the shots of Tig Notaro in army of the dead just stuck out like a sore thumb to me where she's any scene where she's with the rest of the, the cast is just like, See, but now I have to watch that movie again because I didn't but know that. My, my, I my, didn't my, notice my, it at my all. point being, though, is that compositing I don't think is yeah is as consistent or is as photoreal as actual digital stuff. I, I think I think the thing with something like Pop Squad then is like, yeah, you could have used actors, but you couldn't have done the the world in the same way. This expansive and the character would stand out. A, a human person would stand yeah. out, but the whole point then is like, if you do a CG character, then they look like they belong in, in that world. And mm-hmm. I think that's the reason to do something like that versus something like Life Watch where they could have just built the set and built the costume and mm-hmm. it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been any the dif- any different. But with Pop Squad, you can't do you can't do it on the same scale without the actors standing out like sore thumb, I think. Mm-hmm. I tell you what like thinking this through just like the potential for the short and, and the things like it did remind me of something like Equilibrium with Christian Bale and John mm-hmm. Bean and that stuff. But that movie fell, fell down left and right with the concept of, you know, these are people who do not feel emotion. And yet y- you can't act without 
portraying some emotion, even if it was just sternly angry or whatever. Like, mm. like it just was a flawed concept for a film trying to piggyback off some Matrix stuff. Um, whereas I think Pop Squad here is a really nice concept um, of a, a, a cop just completely becoming disenchanted with the, the job he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing the error of his ways or whatnot could be a Highlander but spin-off. The, the big caveat I have next to that, <laughs> yeah, the 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 big caveat I have next to that is I don't want to see a movie of this. I think they did it in ten minutes. I'm grand, do you know what yeah, I mean? But I think that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my that's my number six, Kevin. Your number um, six. My number six, uh, I believe, is Life Hatch. Um, Life Hatch. Sorry. Um, pretty sure it's my number six yeah um you you know if it was an episode of black mirror it potentially could have been interesting but as an animated short uh it was fine i think i just put it in as number whatever i did there because uh i probably i probably had i probably was watching it with more attention than the other ones to a degree the ones that before that and i maybe had less of an issue with different things but uh i just stuck it there i just didn't really feel it could have been that that could have been snow in the desert either or pretty interchangeable for me to a degree you know okay so your number six is um life hutch yes and just to talk yeah and just to say just to comment on um pop squad um pop squad I'd be more comfortable with because it is stylized. Therefore, I don't have to try and buy this as real. I kind of just accept those characters in that environment doing that thing. That's why Pop Squad is as high in my list as it is. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I do like the concept, and I, it yeah. is stylized to some degree. I just kind of went, I, I, especially the scene in the kitchen with the the mother. I was like, this could be actors. Mm. Um, uh, sorry, I just had that thought. I went, can they? By the time we see the actors, they're in small spaces generally, even if they do show us the expansiveness of the environment around it. Um, but moving mm. on. Brian, what's your number six? Tall Grass. So again, we, we've covered Tall Grass. Simon Otto, Axis Animation. A man gets off a train, gets lost in a field. Anything else to add on it? It's just... No, like kind of similar to Life Hutch, you know, in that it looked really nice. But by the time it's over, it's just like kind of similar stories in that you know somebody alone there's a moment of tension and then it's resolved and it's over mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. kind of it so number five for me then um i have snow in the desert at number five again my bottom half is where i i've got the two sort of that are really trying for this sort of photorealistic thing the opening shots definitely cribbing off of um some mad max fury road stuff the guy on the ridge looking down at the, the valley I, I i know the tom hardy shot there i don't i I wasn't into the photorealistic thing but then they introduced like the lizard man and the alien species stuff and it's still mocap and they shot the guy's hand off and i was like but his hands off why is he not reacting to this and they kind of then explained that and they had the little bit of world building around the day tent and the 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 guy dealing with his immortality i think there was just enough like it wasn't necessarily a great standalone short but it just told me so much about the world that this guy was in that it's like I want to know more about this I would watch more about this I would watch a f- like I would use this as the seed of a film it's the Mandalorian <laughs> the only thing I would say about that scene where the three aliens kind of approach him in the 
cantina or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of she challenges him and he takes her out and then the other guy and then the, he says the big guy for last mm-hmm. watching movies over the years and my dad <laughs> telling me as I was growing up always take awesome. out the biggest one first and that was his mistake you know he should have taken the biggest one out first and then dealt with the other two but I know he was challenged by first but yeah uh, interesting insight there that your father sat you down and went always take out the biggest your, guy your dad your dad's wrong also but, yeah well he, he he's he's yeah he's capable of being wrong for sure uh, <laughs> I'm well, just kidding I, I would say I would say I would say you take out the big guy and then you focus on the other two you're just giving the big guy time to recover because if he's bigger and stronger than you then you're not gonna you're not gonna effectively hurt him you want to dispatch the other two and then run from the big guy you hit the big yeah, guy, true. he's going to recover while they take on the other two and he's going to move. Or just run away. My dad did also tell me, my dad did also tell me, probably in the space of a month I had, he came into me at one time and said uh, that if I was gay or anything, that it'd be fine and he'd, he, you know, he'd love me and he'd accept me and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, cheers, dad, thanks. And then like a week or two later, he came in and said like, oh, if I ever get like a girl knocked up or anything, don't worry that like they look after it and they love and accept me. And it was just like, I don't know if my dad thinks I'm sleeping with men with women or I'm gay. But either way, he loves me. That's okay. And he wants you to get in fights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's teaching me how to defend that honor, <laughs> defend my children or my gay lover. But either way, he's he's cool with it and that's fine. But it was very funny. Um yes, so Number five, Kevin. Number five. Uh I I'm getting confused with how I, I did the episodes, so my f- the the um, that's the episodes and that's the order I like them in okay so I have to find number five number three which was no oh number three is your number five yes <laughs> I confuse myself so what's number three? top squad uh, so why is that on number five for you um because because I wasn't you know I, I I do like the concept for sure um and things like that but uh, I think it just rated higher than Life Hatch or Hutch, uh, Life Hatch, and it raised, rated higher than Snow in the Desert because I think I just like the stylized version of things a little bit more. And that was, even though it was very realistic to a degree, it was just a little bit more stylized. So it rated higher than those ones. But um, yeah. Brian, number five Ice. Mm. So, um, Ice, directed by Robert Valley, uh, brothers Cedric and Fletcher move their family to a, an ice-covered colony and they get in a race with the locals. The brother fakes an injury to to have the uh, younger... Is he younger? He's older. He's older, yeah. He's older, yeah. So, he, he doesn't fit in because he's not a genetically modified kid and his brother helps him out by making him look like a hero in front of his friends and it's um am i explaining that right yeah why isn't he genetically modified why is he not genetically modified and his brother is because he's older yeah and his are his parents genetically modified no, no don't then why so. do his parents treat him like shit because he's because they think he's lazy and it's only his dad mm. his dad thinks he's lazy because his dad's okay. a jerk he is a jerk. Dads are jerks. Don't listen to them. They tell you they love you, but they also want to fight you. So, I mean, shades of Gattaca in this thing around the world of like genetically modified children versus natural born. Um, felt a bit if you've Blade one or two. Yeah, kind of felt like they're um, sent out there to to work 
as you know being genetically modified maybe whale runners a little bit of aliens on the ice planet that 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 scene that that race was cool mm-hmm. like it was yep. very yep. nicely done um and the cg whales reminded me of um world record in the animatrix yeah, yeah it did yeah. as well yeah yeah I just rewatched that as well off our off our talking about it. I love it. Um, it's it's pretty damn. Love it. Cool. I see, yeah. I, I didn't dislike I it, it a lot. I liked I, it a lot. I, I like I said, Valley directed my favorite one from season one. Uh, I love his artwork. Um, I uh, follow him on Instagram. Um, love his style. Love love everything about him. Think he's great. Think he directed the best one from volume one. Um, I didn't think this was bad at all. I just kind of preferred some of the other ones, but uh, yeah, I think he's great, and I love his love his visual style. Check out his other animation. Check out his drawings. He's incredible. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, look, I actually I've been on his Instagram a few times before, and it is it is pretty cool to be fair. Amazing, yeah. He's done so many yeah. other like little animation clips and stuff, and just yeah, he's he's class. Big fan. Yeah. Um, and Zima Blue. I think, like, this story wasn't bad. It was just, it's just a very simple, short story. Zima Blue is actually, um, so my my two favorites from volume one were Beyond the Aquila Rift and Zima Blue. And they were both adaptations of a, a sci-fi writer's, I think he did like a an anthology book where it was a few sci-fi shorts. Um and I think the best two from volume one were based on that writer's stories and Zima Blue is just a, I won't, I won't even say anything about it. Just go watch Zima Blue from volume one if you haven't already. Um, I think it's fantastic. But uh, Ice was number five for me. Yeah. Um, then number four for me, uh, <laughs> for me, number four is uh, automated customer service. I hear everything you're saying about it being sort of cliche and we've seen it before and you're uncertain of the tone or you found the tone uneven. For me, I, I liked the aggression where the, the violence is a real threat, but the, the, the way it's being addressed by the customer service people and the, 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 the world around it is wackier. Um, it worked for me. I, did I didn't like the designs of the people? It reminded me of uh, the Superman Lovers video. You ever seen that one? Yes, I know. Exactly what you're talking I love about. that video. I love that video. Yeah. I love that song. Um, like it grew on me when I first saw them. I was like, I don't like this. Is there a connection? By the it? end of it, I was fine with it. I'm not up? sure because when you say it, I'm like, that's pretty who, bang on. Who's the credits um, for? Uh, so for automated customer service, it's uh, directed by Kevin Dan Van Meeren, David Nicholas, and Laurent Nicholas uh, at all studio. The reason it's my number four is there is stylization in it. I can see why it's animated. I think, I think the humor works for me. While it's, it is a little cliche in places, it's fun. It's funny, and you know, I I just enjoyed it. Basically, is is where it, it lands on that. Um, I don't have much to defend it. I have almost philosophical kind of problems with the approach to some of the earlier ones. And this one is just, you know, it's a Looney Tune. It's a Looney Tune cartoon. They just made a cartoon. Give me the credits again for... Uh, Atoll Studios, Kevin Dan Van Meeren, Dan Vermeeren, 
David Nicholas and Laurent Nicholas. Directed by, it, it's cut a bracket around it or parentheses, directed by the meat department. All I can see is that um, the Starlight Superman Lovers video was directed by French animator Numero Six. But that's all I can find out. I can't find any more Numero Six. Numero Six is. It was French, right, okay. French animator. So. Okay. Possible. Well, I, possible that doesn't even necessarily say who your character designer is, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess we just need to get credit to that video. Um, so that's my number four. Kevin, your number four? Uh, my number four was Tall Grass. Uh, just because I liked it. Eerie, horror, silly, fun, stylized. I got the feel for the time. Uh, there are elements I like, you know. Okay. So, yeah. So, so how do you feel about that when we raise, you know, when Kevin I, or when Brian and I both go... You know, it's it's lower down in our list because it just, I don't see the arc in it. It just seems a little step by step or whatever. Like, yeah, like kind of, it's one of those things where kind of, and I think it probably, I don't know, it happens often with me anyways, but it's one of those things where kind of the stuff that you're listening that you don't like about it are kind of stuff I like about it. It's simple. It's straightforward. I enjoyed it. It looked good. Mm. Kind of, yeah. Okay, spoke to you, and you like it. The fact that there, it wasn't weighed down by that additional stuff. You just liked the self-containedness of it. Yeah, like I literally took it for face value. If you get me, like fair, cool. yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's a simple enough storyline where you can do that. You know what I mean, Brian? You're number four. All through the house. Oh, interesting. It is funny to me that that there's one or two on here that haven't appeared yet up until the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, just to give us the the information on this one, because it hasn't come up yet. Blink Industries, directed by Elliot Deer. Um, Philip Gillat is the um, adapted script. And uh, based on the story by uh, Joachim oh boy, Hindermans. Hindermans? There's a J in the middle of there, which is throwing me off. So ap- apologies, Joachim. Um, all through the house. Uh, two siblings woken up on Christmas Eve by who they presume to be Santa Claus. And they aren't wrong. They aren't wrong. Um, it is Santa Claus. And it's 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 a stop motion short? Uh, or it, does it just look it, like stop motion? I'm not sure. It might just be, it might just look like it's stop motion because they can do that now. There, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a single camera, there's a single shot camera move from the bedroom to the stairs, which made me go, this is either just beautifully done stop motion where they plan this shot out like crazy or beautifully done CG where this looks like stop motion. Um, I really liked all through the house. One of those is an easier, <laughs> is an easier option. Yeah. yeah, seven minutes. It's the shortest on the list. For it's very me, short. It's the tightest. It's, it's it's very tight. Very simple. Just a, it's just very. It's just built around a kind of a punchline, and it's just really good. Um, just really like the idea. Just very short, very simple, very funny. Um, made me laugh. I, I'm trying to. De- Decide, we've said enough of the other ones as well. We can just say this, you know, just Santa Claus is some Cronenberg demon. Yeah. Who vomits out presents to good children. It, it slurps milk through a tentacle and it sniffs the kids and determines if they're good or bad. Good or bad. And yeah. then Has, it says uh, yeah. they're both good and it, it vomits up a, a present and the kids are very happy with the presents. And then at the end, they... Kid just asks, "What would have happened if we were naughty?" And it just ends, and it's yeah. So that so, was very good, very funny. I have like the tiniest edit on that, 
the monster goes, stay good, and leaves. And for me, that is the implied threat that the question that they then have in the bedroom, what would have happened if we were naughty, subsequently did. So I didn't need that last shot. I thought stay good was the threat. If they had taken that out and then we'd gone to the kids going, wait, what would have happened if we'd naughty? So I just have the tiniest fucking edit on what I think is just a really, really good short. And like, honestly, it works fine. They don't need my notes, you know. I, I think it ties it up. I don't think it necessarily yeah. needs it, but I think it ties it up. It needed something yeah. to end on. So yeah. Well, they kind of just said what we're all thinking, didn't they? Yeah. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, it's just maybe it didn't need to go anywhere else. You know, it's so short. The fact that they go back to bed and had time to think about it, like she could have just in the same shotgun. What would have happened if we were not? You know. Mm. Anyway, that's my number, or that's your number four. We're on to then the top three. My number three is The Drowned Giant, directed by Tim Miller, um, Blur Studios. A giant naked corpse washes up on a beach and uh, an academic kind of observes the rot of the, the corpse over a period of months and the effect it has on the people around it and the village around it. Um... The reason this is as high on my list as it is when I've given out about photorealism in other places mm-hmm. is this, I guess, the simplicity and the mundaneness of the the photorealism. The short has something to say. I don't know if I got it all, but the analysis of people's reaction to degradation and deterioration and something other and inhuman or how we react to that i was i was just i was really interested in what was being said in it Mm. and the fact that they were doing photorealistic cg in there as well didn't detract to me and in fact it helped because what they were saying was how do we perceive this rot and this um decomposition decay yeah the the you know it it's this giant presence of something young and beautiful that is destined to decompose and the the fact that it was photoreal was relevant then because we're much more readily able to associate and identify with the realistic depiction of that decomposition we see we can see ourselves in it more readily because it is realistic does that make sense am i making sense of what i'm saying here yeah i think so yep um, um so i really liked it otherwise and... i'd have cut you off and said shut up yeah. idiot you're wrong you got it wrong stop ruining animation for everybody stop you it. like the army of darkness or the dead stop whatever i can't even name it a <laughs> dumb, movie dumb. so so um, for me, the photorealism here was part of the stylistic choice that fed into how I felt about the movie. And yeah, it just felt like they were doing something as opposed to just being a tech demo. That's my number three. Kev, what's your number three? Uh, automated. Automated customer service. Yes. Okay. Just a lot of um, fun. You guys suck so much. <laughs> Friendship over. <laughs> 
It's better than Speed Racer. I mean, I think that's all that needs to be said. I, I, it's just a Looney Tune. It's grand. Kev, have you, you watched uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines yet? No, I'm dead inside. Uh, you watched it? I watched the trailer. It's on my to-do to watch list. I think it's worth watching and coming back next week. Go watch it. I've watched yeah. more than half of it. I've watched more than half. You have. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, just fell asleep. Brian, what's your number three? Um, it's between. Let's see. Hang on. I'm gonna. Ooh, between. It is. Ooh, you said you called. have this list made. Yeah. Well, I, I've got the two side by side. You'll see it in okay. the photo. Yeah. Make a decision. It is Pop Squad. Pop Squad's your number three. Yeah, it's a good one. It is a good story, and I like yeah. the style. Like the style. Uh, I think I assumed it was Nolan North doing the performance capture. Nolan North of uh, video yeah. game fame. Um, Nolan North, Elodie Young, Emily O'Brien. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of people on the cast here. Elodie Young's from. That's Electra in yeah, Daredevil. In Daredevil right? yeah. Um, Nolan North, probably most famous for Drake in the Uncharted series of games. Drake and Josh? Oh no! <laughs> um, so I mean, I guess we've we've talked about yeah, Pop we've Squad talked about it. I, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was just stylized enough. I thought the performances were cool. I thought it was a good example of how you can get a very human performance out of a very style. I thought the characters were pretty stylized. Um, I think like I checked out when I when we started doing the opera singing bit, <laughs> and it, like, I mean, I don't know that I would have been more engaged if it was actually a recognizable piece of music, but like it just sounded like generic, generic vocal. It sounded like perfunctory. Took her twenty years. Vocals. Took an immortal person twenty years rehearsing that. How dare you! Yeah, um, I rolled my eyes and turned it off and came back you. to it. A w- I came back to that a fucking um, week later because that scene you. just burned me off. It. Um, like I had to get through those bits to get to the point where I liked it. So that's why it's number six on mine. Yeah, I'd watch it again. It's good. So my number two then is because that's your number three. The number three is there where the giant, drowned giant automated customer service and pop squad. Uh, my number two is ice. I really enjoyed it. I um I I think I flagged already there's one or two shots where I think the stylization stylization doesn't work in a very static shot but it moves really well the the moment where your one sort of swings off the lamppost and sort of falls in silhouette um I I I feel like I've seen that shot somewhere or it's roto referenced from something but um there's just a really interesting weight to the way they move um so yeah I really like the timing in how the animation kicks off there's real good like ease ins ease outs um, to be an animation nerd um, just the timing in it and the way people bounce around the place is nice I loved it and the the transition when he when he smokes that pipe for the first time and the world drops out around him like it does seem like a kind of irrelevant aside um, to what the story that they're telling but um, it was a really nice way of representing that Altered state. Kev, your number two. Um, the drowned giant. Okay. Um, I think the points you made about it are very, very valid. The only, the only issues I had with the drowned giant, to be honest, and I know it's like one of the more realistic ones, but I just think 
yeah, I think the whole story and stuff was really good. And I think it, it probably was only if it could only be as effective as it was because it was realistically depicted. Um, you know, he was and stuff. Um, but like, I think it's like when you watch it, you kind of have to turn off your brain in the sense of like, okay, if this was real, the government would like corner it off and like the bloody bones and tissue and everything would be worth a fortune. Could you imagine like the cost of a human skull that size, you know? Um, but no, I actually liked how it kind of they dealt with it in that world, in that kind of logic and all that kind of stuff in that scenario with the graffiti on the body. Um, the like have like you know and like when you're watching it's just like wow you, you know what people would run up and r- would run and try and run up on it and stuff and like that's awful you know but the joke about uh it's penis being like in a freak show but uh under the wrong moniker of uh a whale Wales, penis yeah. and all that kind of stuff you know but uh uh no i really i i like the commentary of it i like the, the take on it i like the i like the the main character's perspective on it and stuff and uh, he was very endearing his approach to it and stuff and I thought it was very good it had a like there's a there's a surrealism to it that like I know it's like it's real fucking basic literary reference but like metamorphosis as well it's like if somebody literally turned to do an insect yeah you'd have scientists rolling in from all over the bloody world but like no this is the fantasy world that we have proposed a giant human just watched up on a beach mm. nobody thinks much of it beyond whatever they're going to interact with it it's going to fade away um, yeah, it's a novelty, I, and then obscure. Yeah, I, w- I was trying to think how it um, sort of had a sort of Gulliver's Travels um, yeah. element to it as well, but yeah, I just really liked it. Um, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, Brian, your number two, uh, Snow in the Desert. Snow in the Desert. Okay. Oh well, it is very Brian esque. Why is this as high for you as it is? Um, I kind of like. I suppose when the show is pitched, it's a sci-fi anthology series, you know, mm-hmm. and you can kind of go anywhere with it and you can kind of, you can be fantastical with the story and you can, you can tell any kind of story and they, they tend to be kind of sci-fi stuff. And mm. season one has so many bad episodes that are just really simple ideas and they just fail at being fun or interesting and they look nice and despite looking nice they're just like bad for whatever reason like trying too hard in terms of I, th- I think is it was Sonny's game I think that was the first one from the first season I know they changed the order since in volume one but the one about the the people connecting to the genetically engineered monster monsters to have cage fights you know Mm-hmm. like that's just a really high concept thing and it should be fun and instead i was just kind of grossed out by the so there's a rape analogy in there or there's a rape element and there, there's this yeah the, the character has been raped and that's why she's so good at fighting and then there's this she's being seduced by this other woman and it just seemed like an excuse for two cg mannequins to get their boobs out and then kind of lesbian fed it what was that one brian it's it's from volume one and it is i think it's sunny's game or something like that i can't remember um i, I watched like 10 but episodes, basically the, the, there's a kind of a, a fetishization and the, it just like it should have just been a fun interesting thing about people psychically connect to genetically engineered monsters that have a cage fight cool and instead it just grossed me oh yeah it just grossed me out and it's just like 
it and it, it looked great. Oh yes, I really wanted to like it, and just you know, at every turn, it just made me dislike it. Yeah, I'd actually I didn't like that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Snow in the Desert then kind of so essentially what I'm saying is like it, these the the whole concept of the show represents for me uh, an opportunity to do really cool looking sci-fi fun shorts and snow in the desert just did that it was just a cool concept about an immortal who's on the run in space and now he's got this by the end of it he's got a a cool cyborg sexy sidekick and it was just it it just i just want them to be like i said there's an opportunity to be fun and cool and Mm. Just interesting, and like that contrasted with that first one where, again, psychic cage match thing. I should like that, and instead, it just grossed me out at every turn. It was just like fuck off. And then this is just like, yeah, it's about an albino immortal in space on the run. Like that sounds great, and it was fun by the end of it. And that's he, what he I was kind of tanned for an albino, to be fair. Well, he's been in the desert, you know. <laughs> I didn't realize he was an albino. Is he, was he basically a real actor as well? He looks very much like, um, I'm blanking on the name, but yeah, Quaritch from Avatar. He looks very much like him. I'm blanking on oh, the guy's yeah, name. Oh, yeah, I know you mean there. Mm. What's his name? Um, it's not Steve Lang or whatever his name is. Steve Lang, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he looked kind of like him. Pe- but yeah, Peter Franzen. Is the Finnish actor. The actor. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's why I liked it. It was just, it was, uh, you know, like. That's your number I, one, Brian, yeah? No, my number two. Oh, sorry. Number again, two. and sorry, it, sorry, it's sorry. a high concept, simple sci-fi thing. And again, contrasted with Army of the Dead, zombie heist was like, sign me up. And then when I watch it, I'm like, oh, fuck this, fuck off, fuck off forever and fuck off some more. Yeah. And then it, it, you tell me this is about an albino in the desert. And I go, cool, that sounds cool. And then it was cool. And I liked it. And it looked cool. Yeah. And that's why I liked it. Yeah. So um, I have I have two asterisks that kept popping up when we mentioned it. The, the, the psychic link to cage fighting thing. You and I have done enough martial arts, and you more so than me. I'm a big teddy bear that can't fight the shit. <laughs> but um, rage does not make you a good fighter. And it's the concept of somebody that's never done any fighting. You know, it's, yeah, it's just, cool in the head and technical yeah, just practice. It's, so much about that was just like me and Kev were kind of discussing it earlier and it was a valid criticism people had from the first volume was that it's just like a bunch of nerds yeah. made this stuff and was like, let's, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool no if she kissed the other woman because I want to yeah. see that and yeah, she was raped so she's going to bring that trauma and that's why she's such a good, and it's just like, fuck off. Just, yeah, it's yeah. it's some some of especially season one. Yeah, uh, it, yeah it's so I like gratuitous. Is that the word? That's the word. Yeah. That's the word. Yep. Yeah, I was I wasn't impressed. And I said to Brian this morning, I didn't realize there was a take on it like that, but uh, wasn't massively impressed with some of it. I felt it was like you give a bunch of nerdy dudes money to an opportunity to do this, and you tell them no hold bars. They're all just a bunch of edge lords that just want to fucking show a bunch of computer boobies and. That, that, that was thing like Netflix very smartly changed the running order of volume one because that was the first one. So like I'd, I'd seen, the, I, I think we'd even said before, like we'd discussed, you know, and again, part of it being like Blur Studios in particular have made so many great little, yeah, brilliant. like brilliant. five minute shorts. And it's just like, I wish there was just, you know, more of these out there. And when I heard then that the guy who directed 
Deadpool and his, you know, head of Blur Studios is doing this thing. And David with, Fincher is. It's David Fincher and Tim Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like David Fincher and Tim Miller have partnered up to do exactly that. Like there's a there's a great trailer for The Witcher 3. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. The, it wasn't made by yeah, Blur. Yeah, I watched it. With but, you. I watched it with you. Is that the one in the barn house? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, it, I I I, I rewatched that. That is, <laughs> yeah, like that is superb. And it, did you say David Lynch directed? So what did he direct? David Fincher or David Fincher? Okay, sorry. Yeah, he's yeah. he's involved in the production of, or he's a producer on all of these. He, all of them. Yeah, yeah. He's of the concept of Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah, he's executive producer. Yeah, of Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah, the series. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't yeah, think he's weighing in on creative decisions no, on each episode, no. but that Witcher three trailer. Um, I don't think it was made by Blur, but it's just, it's so good. And it was a little ad for the game, but it just tells you everything about that world and the character in a couple of minutes. And that's what I want. It from makes me want to play that game. Yeah. Mm. I've never played it. I keep watching that going, I want to play this, but and, I know that's not how the game's going to look. That's what I want from Love, Death and Robots is like, you've got this opportunity to make these kind of cool little shorts that you wouldn't get an opportunity to make otherwise in live action because... You wouldn't, mm. you wouldn't get the budget you need to make something five minutes long. It just mm. it just wouldn't happen. So when when I first heard of Love, Dead and Robots and saw the trailer for it, I was like, that's like, that is right up my street. And then the first episode I watched, I think it's called Sonny's Game. I can't even remember. It was the first one I watched. I was like, this is cool. This looks great. And as the seconds passed, I was just like, mm. God damn it. Mm. And yeah. Sonny's Edge. Sonny's Edge. Blur Studio directed by Dave Wilson. Yeah. Uh, and it looks great and it's just such a wasted opportunity and then Snow mm. in the Desert like I said for me is is it's what I want from this anthology just a fun little concept do it it can still be sexy it can still be all yeah. those things just don't well do you know what I did like I know this 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 probably sounds a bit like a prude or whatever I actually did like how they treated the sex scene in Snow in the Desert yep. as opposed to other sex scenes because it was just like, wow. No, but they've they've definitely learned from season one to like, let's just pare this back a bit. Yes, yeah. That's even the cool. thing, like, uh, Beyond the Aquila Rift is my favorite one, or one of my favorite ones from volume one, but it's still guilty of that. There's there's a sex scene in that and it just, it, it just, it, it threatens to ruin the whole thing. When that first came out, those three were very close to each other, you know? Yeah. Like, there was three or four in a row that had that. The Witness was in the same yep. order. You'd have, you just had a lot of... I'm fine with gratuitous uh, nudity. I'm actually fine it with was, it. It wasn't it's not, nudity. It's not the nudity. It, it it's was the... what the nudity was being used for as well. It was very aggressive. It was very manipulative. It was very... It's the context, ...threatening yeah. to one or all parties involved in it. You know? Well, yeah, no, just if it serves a purpose, and I, you know, if I don't feel like I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it has to serve a purpose necessarily. Not, 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 I, I think not necessarily. Yeah, it, maybe it can not. also just be a visual. But like I, I guess said, it, it's, it's when it's when it's, it's just being thrown in your face, and it's a little bit over the like. I, I guess if it's just if for me, if it's just like kind of like when it is there a point to this other than just seeing boobies or whatever? It's like but it, the, but it, there, it tells you something about the whole production it's not just one short yeah. it's 18 shorts it's the executive producer it's the overseeing director who chose these shorts as the ones to be made and that they listed five of them in a row with sexual violence there was a phrase in the kind of late 80s early 90s when manga video uk were publishing and distributing a load of anime from the 80s and 90s from japan and they would dub them and i think i can't remember if they the, 
somebody coined the phrase was either 15 or 15ing or 18ing where they knew these things sold better as not quite video nasties but as these extreme japanese cartoons and when they dubbed them from japanese to english they increased the number of profanity and swearing just to raise the certification on the thing so crazy a lot of these things you watch them and the the swearing in it is just it's just com- it's comical it's over the top and it's it was all just to secure a higher certification because they sold better if they were See, yeah I, I i felt the cursing was out of place in street fighter <laughs> and that's exactly and yeah, bison you bastards yeah. like, uh, you bastards i'll rip your fucking heart out or something like that and it's just so over the top but it feels like that it, it's like uh these have to be adult um yeah. cartoons so we've got to put in yeah you know sexy stuff for the sake of it and it's kind yeah. of tasteless it's done in a tasteless way just to make it adult as opposed to it is one of the most frustrating things in the world as an animator or somebody that works in the animation industry when i've been out with people and I'm going, would you would you not see this movie? And they go, oh, it's a, it's a cartoon, though. And I'm like, it's an amazing film mm. that happens to be animated. Mm. And people put four to five years of their life in it. Hundreds of people have put four to five years of their life into scripting, storyboarding, concept arting, creating assets, and generating the best performance they can in order to tell their story. And you go, yeah, but it's a cartoon. Mm. Don't. Don't ever be like somebody saying to me, oh, Pixar movies are my guilty pleasure. It's like people have worked their whole off mm. to give you the best film they can. And I always I often think that and I like have, have have strived to be there to like to get to that level, you know, and, and I often think in those things as well. It's adult filmmakers trying to make the best film that they can that is suitable for children. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like calling it a kid's movie like, yes. That is broadly the audience, but it's adults trying to make the best film they can that is suitable for children. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think Brian did nail it, uh, hit the nail on the head when he said about it being tasteless. It's like, yeah, I have no issue with nudity or violence or anything that like, but when it's like tasteless and I just, it's just like, yeah, like, and I felt some of it definitely was tasteless in the first season. Yeah. So we come now to our number one picks of season two of Love, Death and Robots and our longest running time podcast to date. So far, two and a half hours. Um, this will trim down a wee bit. My number one is All Through the House. Seven minutes, short, sharp, perfectly done in my mind. I was I was grossed out initially. I thought, oh, how are they going to explain this? And it's just like, nobody, nobody's ever seen Santa. We just assume he's a jolly fat man in a hat. Turns out he's a Cronenberg nightmare. Oh, no, we know. Oh, adults know. We don't tell the we children. We just don't. Well, I don't know. It just is another possible take is we know, but we just don't tell people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just don't don't look at the shadow in the corner of your eye. You don't want to know what's there. I, I really liked it. Yeah, I was going to say my number one is Alter the House. Uh, I love it. Aiden told me that it was his favorite one before he'd watched it or one that he had up until the point when he'd seen it. He was really enjoyed it. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh yeah, the monster is like all Mignola and Guy Davis. It's so reminiscent of Guy Davis stuff in the Marquis or the Marquis, Marquis. Uh, really great book. But um, 
so reminiscent of that kind of monster stuff and i loved when the monster puked out the train for the little boy he looks he looks at the wrapping paper with the sat the, the fat jolly santa on it and he just <laughs> like i was like just the oh and i love it has these hands yes it's yeah and it's covering his mouth and everything i loved it that's all i have to say about it i really enjoyed it seven minutes long brilliant elliot deer directed blink blink industries yes very um, enjoyable good fun so I mean, that's me and Kev. Brian, what's your number one? Uh, Drowned Giant. Oh, very good. Drowned yeah. Giant. That was my number two. We can be friends. Uh, no. Oh, okay. I mean, no. you I, like Speed I, Racer. I think that's a good spread. I think we kind of have where our top four ended up between the three of us is kind of a nice survey measure of like, where do these, you know, like if you were to look at the, how to phrase this? The top four are the top four. The Drowned Giant, All Through the House, um, you know, Ice is in there. Um, automated Auto- automated customer service, service, clearly yeah. one of the best. Um, <laughs> we, we've got a good spread on these. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that there's much else to, to be said. Um, Brian, sorry, Brian. You're do you want to elaborate on Drowned Giant? Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, I saw someone tweet, I think, the week that, this came out just complaining about the the fact that adult animation has to be either sci-fi or violent or action or something and they would just like to see kind of more you know ghibli-esque stuff where there's Mm. just these quiet moments in things and i got the impression that they hadn't watched the whole volume yet thing yet um because this does exactly that i like the fact that they were bold enough to kind of say, yeah, let's let's make something really contemplative and quiet and mm. mundane and just really take our time. Let this really pensive, contemplative piece. I think mm-hmm. it's interesting mm. that that's the Tim Miller one. Yep. You know, I wonder if they'd have accepted the pitch from somebody outside. Probably not. But no, no. It, like, I, I don't think they would. I, I think I think they you know probably selected a few stories and this one was written by J.G. Ballard. I think it's yep. based on a, a story from a collection of short stories he wrote. Uh, I do love this. I do, it was a good, yep. it was a toss-up between Altered House and the Ground Giant, the Ground Giant, but uh, Altered House won just because uh, it, it probably made me like think less. However, uh, the Ground Giant was number two. It made me think the most and it was brilliant. Yeah. But yeah. I do, like I have, I yeah. have ice in my number two. Just because of the the you get that dynamism of it and the energy, hey hey, you know the more I talk about it, I guess you know the drowned giant is it's fucking great. Yeah, yep. um, just, I, And I love the as fact a response they, to somebody yeah. going adult animation has to be X, Y, or Z. It's like unfortunately the mainstream media, the lamestream media, or the streaming services where you are finding your content are not showing you the extensive short film production that goes on in the world there is so much animation congratulations congratulations to Aiden who the movie that he had worked on or was a part of or a song won uh, yeah. best animation in the Irish Animation Awards congratulations thanks guys congrats I was just present um, Radio Animation is who I work for Jack uh, Kerwin and Ava Bertolozzo uh, were the writers and directors congrats to those to guys give them some feedback along the way and they did an amazing job and they won best animated short at the Irish Animation Awards yeah. I wasn't going to mention it but as Kev brought it up um, fair play to y'all without all your involvement thanks guys 
and the, the, um, there's a wide range of short film in the world and I, I should clarify I think they said in that tweet I think they talked about in western animation specifically okay, okay. so and I guess they're, they're they're right to a point but also yeah you don't see French and German and Danish short films on Netflix mm-hmm. no not so much you don't see yeah. um, they're out there it's just yeah. you have to go to film festivals mm-hmm. to see them yeah that brings us to the end of Love, Death and Robots. Roll on season three, I guess. Or volume two, part two, hopefully. maybe. Volume two, part That'd two. That'd be nice. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, you're right. Because it is a very short, compared to the 18 they did. Maybe they're just breaking it up a little mm-hmm. bit. I, I don't know if that's the plan or not. Yeah. But uh, it'd be cool if there was more coming. But we'll see. Well, given the effort versus the return, like, yeah, it would kind of make sense to, like, let's let's spread this out a little bit rather than having to wait two year period between each of them let's mm. put eight out a year or something I think um, um, I think this volume really benefited from having a supervising producer that was brought on specifically to address the kind of criticisms of the first season volume. one yeah yeah fair um, yeah. Yeah. I believe uh, Jennifer U. Nelson Jennifer oh name, I think but she she's the director on Pop Squad. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer did a fucking awesome job because the the change in quality in season two is significantly better. Next week, um, I think we should watch Army of the Dead again just to really get our heads around it. Um, why? Are you serious? I, I'm just no, God no. Um, <laughs> God just, just to just to come back to Brian's uh, thing around zombie heist movie. Um, they didn't need to introduce a rescue into the heist movie element in Army of the Dead. Also, if you had a bag with a moving dead animated head, uh, you'd fairly fucking know if it was not moving around. If it's suddenly a, ca- a cash machine. Yeah. That, that was one of the things that bothered me about it. It's just that, like, and it's, it's a nitpick, and it's, like, I think, I think a lot of the other things I said are nitpicks, but I think they're relevant. But valid. this is a kind of a... It's just kind of a missed opportunity to have him come in with this like weird device and just to be a kind of a cool story element to be like, hey, what's that device for? What's he up to? And for him to have this like cool looking piece of tech basically and then for it to be to store the head and you'd be like, ah, cool. Mm-hmm. And that would make more mm-hmm. sense as well with it getting swapped with the... And I, I thought of that before mm-hmm. I even saw the, the cash counting machine. Mm-hmm. But just stuff like that and just the fact that the safe turned out to be just a regular ass safe. Why did he why did he push him in there to save his life? Yeah, yeah. 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 Also the the safe. Why did he survive? Why is he not irradiated? Like it's just stupid. I also I also didn't get the give safe a sh- survived the nuclear blast, just go in and get the money afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If if the safe survived it, just fucking nuke it and get the money afterwards. It's just it's dumb. It's a dumb oh, movie. Such a good point. Also, I did I didn't care. I didn't I didn't care for the volunteer rescuing Greta or whatever and all that kind of stuff storyline. Didn't care for it. Boring. But that's the thing. But they they all died in the end as well. Like everybody she went to save, they all died. Oh. She she's like she's the only survivor, so Oh yeah. It's just it's a it's a bad script. It's a bad plot. It's a bad movie. Yeah. It's dumb. Um but uh yeah, I think think that pretty pretty much wraps it up but um but uh, yeah uh next week oh we, we didn't get to talk about it but modok have you watched it brian uh, i did yeah yes yeah, so we won't talk about it now let's uh do a kind of a, a deep little dive on it because modok was good i enjoyed it but it was such it. a it was such a uh introduction type of episode into the world uh it'd be nice that it should have been two like, episodes how, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I get a better feel for it. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's better to kind of 
express an opinion on it after we watch like two episodes. Two episodes of Modoc next week. Not a bad thing to to have a chat about. Mm-hmm. I'll have a look at the Mitchells versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. Um, something I started watching yesterday and was enjoying and want to go back to is a movie called Psycho Goreman from Shudder. It's um, kind of a comedy horror, gross out, uh, 80s vibe thing. Really trashy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like it's coming from a place of sincerity as opposed to your, you know, Birdemics and shit. They're like your giant shark movies mm-hmm. um, that we had previously i don't know I, I don't know if you guys want to check it out i feel like i'll Kev check it might out enjoy it i don't know if brian would it's oh pretty I, fucking dumb looking i want to watch a movie about a pair of jeans that kills people so i like easy. dumb things okay we're um, me and brian are friends <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he likes give, me give it, give it a look i guess yeah. um is there anything you guys think we should watch uh not off the top of my head we probably won't we probably won't find a night moves available to stream anywhere so not no the fortress or christopher lambert isn't that one yeah i'm not watching that. i don't know <laughs> night moves um i mean <laughs> so what's so what's Zack snyder got up next i don't know like, I, I don't want to get into a fucking Zack snyder rabbit hole because i was like for a moment i was like we're clear of fucking Zack snyder we won't have to do, oh army of the dead's a big one we may as well oh. And as like as much as I was like the Snyderverse is gone, they're still dealing with Ezra Miller's Flash, which is talking about tying in some Ben Affleck Batman. It's like oh, it's too it's too kind of like comatose and on life support, and I'm fucking afraid it's going to get you know a shot of adrenaline and get another zombie movie out. I watched um I watched Woman in the Window, which is a very kind of like rear window type of take with Gary Oldman, uh, Dwight Russell, Amy Adams, Amy Adams, yep, um, Julianne Moore I think is in it. Um, it's see I saw I saw that and I went that's Rear Window I don't want to watch that <laughs> uh, I, I saw another that's Rear Window like, I'd, I'd, I'll give it a shot because uh, mm. I was just I don't know but I, was just, I think I was just interested in kind of like how would they do that nowadays you know mm. um, it's good it's actually like watching a trailer from like 10-15 years ago like um, there's so much of it that's kind of like basic enough but you know what it was entertaining and I liked it I liked it you know what I mean? It's like it's like watching it was like yeah. watching something that had Kevin Bacon in it like from 15, 20 years ago. But I liked it. A throwback a throwback thriller. Yeah, it's a, exactly. It's yeah. a throwback thriller and I enjoyed it for that reason. It, but you should, you should seek out Night Moves. Should we stop recording? It, I think we should just say if we can find Night Moves, we're going to talk about it because Christopher Lambert deserves all the Oscars. I can't remember. I, can't, I love Christopher Lambert, but Lambert, I call him Lambert. But then I also say Tony Coletti, whatever. And then it's like Susan Sarandon? I don't know. Anyways, whatever. Sarandon? No. More like a nonja. I hate this.